you're listening to another Type 40 Live Doctor Who podcast from the Spacebook. Audio editions of our video content originally streamed to YouTube and other platforms. A quick reminder, this is recorded completely live and we interact with viewers across those platforms in real time. The occasional detail may get lost in translation, we're working on that, and the odd swear word may pass one or more of our lips, so this show may not be suitable for the under-15s. Now that's all straight. Let's start the show. everybody the only problem with having the best most upbeat theme tune in the whole of doctor who podcasts yes officially i'm claiming that for this show the only problem with having that is you've got to be really really upbeat coming off the back of it haven't you because yeah the last thing you want to do is let it all drop i'm dan hadley birmingham's king of the geeks and this is the return of type 40 live another couple of hours worth of doctor who talk here we're still basking in the glow of that wonderful news of the departure of Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker. <laughs> yes, indeed. Happy days. There's still plenty of those ahead. Yes, it's uh, great to see you all here too. Who have we got in the chat this time? Hail to everyone, says uh, Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Good to see you here too. And uh, Richard Brooks. Good afternoon, folks. Good afternoon, Richard. Good to see you back. Hi, everyone from Lord Thoth, as always, on the clock, my friend. And uh, yeah, Vanessa. Vanessa's here too. Hi, Vanessa. Good to see you. Mega Neurobyte says, hello again. I'm back. So am I. <laughs> and yeah, Lord Foth reminds you to, <laughs> to like the video. Yes, you can like this one in advance. It's going to be a good one, I can promise you. I've been forward into the future and checked it out. It's safe to like it now. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We can't say this enough, can we? Yes, please subscribe to the channel. We know there are people out there who watch and watch and watch and watch and don't subscribe. But yeah, hit that little bell. Hit that little bell to get the notifications. And then you'll you'll know exactly when we're going live next. We've got the chats filling up. Absolutely fantastic to see everybody back. And lots of, yeah, lots of returning names and new people too. Sun Raider Customs. This is becoming my fave show to listen to. You can listen and watch. We have some pretty pictures coming up and lots of sights and sounds for you all for the next couple of hours. Oh, it's Jamie Pring says greetings. Greetings to you too, Jamie. And ahoy! We've got an ahoy! I think that's our first ahoy from uh, Digby Strawbridge. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, yeah, so keep those comments coming. 
As always, we're streaming live to YouTube, the world's largest streaming platform, and over to Facebook, to the Type 40 Facebook group and the Type 40 Facebook page. So if you're watching us over there, please let let StreamYard know who you are, then we'll be able to see your comments too. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, I hope everybody is keeping well, asks Alan Collins. Well, I'm I'm keeping really, really well. Let's check in and see how some of some of they they are. So yeah, Ian David Diaz, how are you keeping? Uh, I I'm 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 fine. <laughs> Sorry, I was just <laughs> answering a lot of people just saying hi to everybody, but uh yeah. You're talking I'm around. to the public again. Hey, yes, of course. Of course, I'm so well liked. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Ian's no, just I'm been right. eating a cornetto, everybody, I have. making the rest of us very, very jealous. Yeah, I have. Even though it's raining and it's not very warm, you got to have a cornetto from time to time, haven't you? Definitely. Oh, I, think, I think you have. And you know what? If we can will the summertime back into existence, who knows? It may come. Build it and they will come, just like Field of Dreams. Yep. You like that movie too? Yep. Yeah, love yeah, that movie. Good. Love it. Let's see, who's Let's see if it's any brighter up where he is, up in the Doctor Who loft. Right, oh, I am delighted to report Spacebook as it's bloody gorgeous up here in Scotland today. I am sweltering again. <laughs> and that's one of the differences between being down in England and being up in Scotland. We've, re- we've rearranged and swapped the weather. So hello, Spacebook is welcome. And uh, nice to see everybody. Welcome to the, the show that brings you the news before it happens. Uh, we've well, done this consistently we all year, haven't we? Uh, well, even before that, if you can go, go back to last <laughs> last summer, really, where we were hearing various things yeah. and bringing it. I'm dead pleased about that. But good afternoon, Facebookers. Nice to see everybody. And mm. uh, yeah, due to popular demand, we've just published a video. That reminds me, just a little quarter of an hour video. Which You'd think this was planned, us, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> all of us talking about a very uh, contentious subject, a subject that, that often gets trotted out across social media, in particular where we talk about Doctor Who as it is currently. We answer the question of the China deal and the HBO deal that had supposedly oh. set the future for Doctor Who. <laughs> we didn't want to go over it all again on this show, even though people were asking. We did it last time. So we've put yeah. it out as a specific video 15 minutes it is up on the channel and it's named doctor who deal or no deal you can find out the truth there about is there a deal with who and for what and you get our views as fans and as people who've worked in this industry over the last 10 20 years a great many of us and just the fact that we've got eyes and ears and we bother doing our research. I know it's a little bit <laughs> out of fashion actually doing your research, but we're bringing it back. We're bringing it back. Absolutely. And we're bringing back the sunshine because the sun is always shining where Simon Horton is, I think, isn't it? It's always shining here. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, Daniel. Hello, fellow lunatics out there. Everybody, everybody well and fighting fit and ready to go. Can I just, can I just say I love Simon's outfit this afternoon. It, is, it, it is. reminds me of, of the Duran Duran time, Si. You're looking hey! absolutely stifling there. Yeah! The, the mission has been achieved. I love it. Fabulous. <laughs> Duran, you know that. I'm an 80s chick. I'm I know still, it. And they're going I'm on tour here. 1983. I'm still there in 1983. I've you never left. amazing perched on the front of a yacht right what are these old boys talking about charlotte <laughs> I, I know <laughs> what duran duran is though i do know what, what that group is so i'm not completely well they're still well, going aren't they charlotte they're going on tour they're still fairly big and i bet simon's got to stick it there i bet he's oh, gonna hey, go yeah 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 duran duran but she doesn't know the word merchandise that's that's a real shame isn't it? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I now say to myself merchandise i try there and say that on streams because of a certain something 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> my favourite comment on this so far comes from Derek Brady. Hi, Derek. Good to see you back again. He's dropped this one. Hey! Simon LaHorton. La well done, That's quite Derek. good. We'll keep that. Yeah, we'll have hey, that. Father Christopher. <laughs> And we've got Father a hail here from Father Christopher Miller, back from Vegas. Good to see you, Father Christopher. Glad you got home safely. And Vanessa Law says, Simon title. is looking sharp. Yeah. He is. <laughs> he is. He's the only one that can wear a jacket out of all of us. We can't wear jackets. We just look stupid. <laughs> Not but in this he heat. Looks great. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. You haven't got the heat. I forgot. <laughs> Go on, Crimpley. Oh, God. Yes, yeah, so we've got... He's Crimpley. doing the, the full lyrics here. We've got a bit of brand around lyric recital going on in the live chat, too. Everybody's hearing the music. People often hear music when we walk into a room. Well, let's face it. 80s music right now is back with a bang, apart from Kev McCulloch's. Um, and it's really, really popular. And it's huge, apart from Kev McCulloch's. It's huge. Talking about 80s kind of retro <laughs> synthy music, this week, I mean, we've talked about this the last two weeks, haven't we? How that the entire fandom is is basking in the glow of the imminent departure of not, not just Jodie Whittaker, who apparently they insist has been playing the Doctor. Uh -huh. But mm -hmm. Chris Chibnall, the world's worst showrunner. So people have been sti stimulated by what may come next. And the Radio Times ran that, ran that poll, didn't they? Which various people reported in a very, very bizarre way. Which, uh, which there was one or two very, very clear winners, and one guy in particular came out right on top. And yeah, we're now a week on, and this is actually escalating with the wide usage yeah. of the hashtag, what is it? Hashtag Sheen for Sheen 14. For 14. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's all over Twitter, and it's all over YouTube now. So I wanted to play this in case you guys in the chat hadn't seen this yet. Because this is the work of a friend of ours. This is Lee over at Audred Audio Visual. Woo! He's composed Woo! all the music for Type 40. We our love fabulous it. theme tune, which is we've already we've already established that our theme tune, Type 40's theme tune, is the very best hey, in yeah. podcasting. Absolutely. And if you Absolutely. think otherwise, you're yeah. you're wrong. It's it's that simple. <laughs> no yeah, question. So, so he's gone and looked at the Doctor Who theme itself and even he hasn't just done the music everybody he's set it to some wonderful visuals too so we're going to get up, this up on screen now because I know that a couple of the panel haven't seen yes. it yet. and we're no, going to we're going down the time tunnel here now this is Ooh. Sheen hashtag Ooh. Sheen for 14 let it sweep you away and just imagine just imagine everybody very primal about all of that everybody i think so yeah what do you think? are you sold on michael sheen as the doctor even more after seeing that ian 
No, I just, I just, I prefer him without the beard. Actually, he just looks like a homeless person, doesn't he? Let's face so it, he needs I, to get rid yeah, of that yeah. beard. But yeah, oh, no, okay. I, I, I wouldn't mind so if he became the doctor. He's a really good actor, you know. So, I, I wouldn't mind at all. And those titles—they're they're very sort of eighties, aren't they? Everybody, it's, mm. it sort of chimes. With, it's the it's the electronic era, sort of giving a bit of oomph, JT. Yeah, and uh, when I hear that the, the Peter Hell theme tune, it brings back such memories, you know, of of coming of age, as it were, coming into the eighties. That whole renaissance as, it, as that was coming along the eighties. Uh, you know, going through my my teens and just sitting down on a weeknight watching Peter Davison's Doctor Who. There's something. I mean, it's very difficult to describe. If you weren't there, you don't understand it really because it was it was special. It was something totally different. So to hear that version mixed in with that, that's nice. It's lovely. I I, I always had a problem with that beginning <laughs> scene with Peter Davison because his eyes was like this when it when his face appeared. It was like probably he was because like, he was he was shoved. In, it's, it's probably because he was shoved into his photo shoot before he realised what was going on. Really, oh, right, to, okay. <laughs> you know. And there's there's a lot of them where he's actually smiling because they're trying to get him to laugh and everything yeah. like this. But he must have been like. What have I just done? What am I doing? Where am yes. I? Yeah. <laughs> music and the visuals have gone down very well in the chat. Everybody, we've got lots of comments like "This is brilliant" from Crimpling the Bloom. We've got "Beautiful." We have uh, "Bleeding Awesome." Send shivers. To, says uh, Derek oh. Brady there and Crimpling the Bloom. As I want to watch this series now. I'd love to know what Michael Sheen thinks about this. This must have got to his agent. This must have got oh, to his uh, to his attention. I'd love to say what he's actually thinking. Think so. uh, he must be so he must be so impressed by it. You know, you know, pandering to um, an, an actor's ego like this, he must be really chuffed. Was he nominated for an Oscar? I'm not sure. I don't know. Probably okay. for Nixon. Nixon what should have been also, Nixon? Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. But here's the thing, like we, we, we know he's he's pally with Tennant, so they must be having a right giggle, I think, right now. The two I think David Tennant's it. pally with everybody. <laughs> he's That's he's true. a he's 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 a social world in the in that world, isn't he? I tell you, Simon must be holding that up for like fifteen minutes. I know. Let's, and let's keep going with it. Let's keep going with it. We were all ignoring it, Simon. Yeah, it's better to look at me, let's be honest. So, there's lots and lots album. of people there echoing still after two, three weeks now. Hashtag Sheen for fourteen. Darren Paris says it all here. And we've got, uh, yeah, <laughs> Kelly in the chat says uh, she's a voice of dissent. I also admit that David Morrissey but with, would be a good choice, but his <laughs> name doesn't rhyme with any numbers. It's Morrissey, Morrissey, Norrissey, Corrissey, 13. No. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm the only one. I said this last week. I'm the only one that isn't excited by Michael Sheen. I'm sorry. I just don't rate him particularly. <gasps> sorry. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. It's fine. I, 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 feel, I, I, find, I find, feel the same. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I was just going to say, I, I think the hashtag, though, because it's not just it rhymes. about him, though. It, but, yes, it does. It's, it's what he represents, is, isn't it, Charles? It's yeah. what he represents. It's, it's sort of the fandom saying right now, we've had four years, five by the time they go, of blatantly pandering to politics, to blatantly mm. pandering to a certain type of fan. And it's just a lot of people who are using the hashtag are saying... This is just to show that the show worked for 50 plus years being a male. This show traditionally is a male role and we want to go yeah. back to that. So I think it's a lot of that as well. It's true. I mean, do you remember the time when Charlotte actually came on and she hardly said anything? But well, now you can't even <laughs> shut her up now, can you? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's 
that's why we Sorry like confidence. <laughs> the other thing about it is um, with Michael Sheen is that they're, they've actually selected an actor there with a caliber. Yes. Um, and yes. whether we can see him in the part or not, that's the quality that we actually I need in, in any in any relaunch of a show. We need the Sheen, the Eccleston, the Capaldi type of quality to get people yeah. get people taking it seriously again. Because some of these people you see routed in the press in the UK right now to be the doctor, as I've said many times before, we're down back mm. to the Paul Daniels nonsense of the late 80s. And it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah, I, I, I has fallen considerably, hasn't it, Simon? Yeah. Well, well, yeah. And the way I look at it, I've always said this, is you've got to be a certain kind of actor to be able to play the doctor. Just because you're an actor doesn't mean you can play the doctor. Yes, in the same true. way that just because you're an actor, you couldn't necessarily play James Bond or Bet Lynch. Mm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You've got to be right for the part. And the doctor requires a certain kind of actor. So although I don't particularly rate my, Michael Sheen desperately highly, I absolutely agree with you, JT. He's got the caliber. He's got the gravitas. He's He, he is the right kind of actor. And mm -hmm. I know this might be... It's an unpopular way to look at it in certain circles, but you've got to be the right kind of actor to fill the role. And m naming no names, there are certain actors that have taken on the role that are not the right kind of actor to play the role. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong. It mean you're a lesser. It doesn't mean you're a lesser actor or anything. It just means that you're not you're right. right for that role. It's correct. Correct. We have, yeah. we have a comment here from the chat, as we mentioned earlier on. There's been Ooh. a big fan get-together. Yes, our friends at Nerdrotic, Gary Beaker, yeah. and uh, Jeremy at Geeks and Games have pulled off an amazing fan event at Las Vegas over the did week. They? Which, they which did they? Father Christopher Miller, he was, he was there. And yeah, we've got somebody in the chat. Dr. Blaze says, so Friday Night Tights have done Vegas and was awesome. When's the Space Book meetup? Yeah, never. well, we yeah. Never, no, never say we? never, Doctor. Yeah. Never say exactly. never. I particularly, I particularly don't want to meet JT. Do you know what I mean? Like, that would be a real chore for me. Do you know? That's because he's just frightened of standing in next to me in public. I don't shadow him with, <laughs> yeah. with the effervescence glow with and the fabulous, glitter. With fabulousness, yes. So stick that cornetto where the sun don't shine. <laughs> Ooh. Well, do you know what? One of the things over here, though, in the UK is that we are very, very confused now about all the restrictions that are going on. Yeah. Some of the weddings can go on. Some of the weddings can't go on. It yeah. depends on which county you're in in England. It depends if you're in Scotland. Wales is totally different. I think um, if we... Blue hair. Oh, yeah. Don't mention the blue hair, purple rinse brigade to me. I'm so annoyed with them. So listen, um, yeah, maybe we should look into it next year and see when Britain starts to calm down. If it ever Absolutely. comes, <laughs> Facebook is meeting. We've got to yeah. have to do it. Yeah, and you know what? We could do it where we don't actually have anybody from the show. It's just us. It's just the fans, like we used to do it back in the early days. We don't invite any of these actor people or anybody from behind the scenes. Think, just do the fans. I think we may have have troubles trying to convince some of the people at the show not to come. If they want to come, we'll charge them. Oh, Say, right, yeah, there's uh, 50 quid, please, love. Come on, Fraser. Well, I absolutely love this picture that I found earlier in the week. This Lovely. is Fraser Hines on his way to an event. Come back, Pat Trout, and all is forgiven on his t shirt. And just underneath <laughs> it, just underneath it, there's another hashtag. It says Team TARDIS. 68 underneath, which I thought was just wonderful. Brilliant. Love a bit of Fraser Hines. So, yes, he'd always, always be wrong. <laughs> of course he would. Fine, yeah, his so corner. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody in the chat, what what do you think of all that? We've got oh yes, we've got the rabbi from another planet. He's here. Nerdrotic meetup equals Vegas. Spacebook meetup equals North North Acton. Acton. <laughs> <laughs> spiritual home, spiritual home That's of funny. the, uh, of the well, We could always go to Blackpool, the Vegas of Britain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. lots yeah, of Doctor yeah. Who connections there. Hi, problem yeah. being. Hi, Alan. Longleat. Nice to see you. Longleat. Bring on Longleat. <laughs> Alan Collins reminds us yeah, that Longleat. Fraser's t-shirt there is a deliberate callback, isn't it, to a real-life incident on the yeah. set of Doctor Who, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. It was It was when Patrick Trapton had just taken over and <laughs> um, and William Hartnell, bless him, had left and Annika Wills and um, Michael Craze turned up on set for the first time with t-shirts exactly emblazoned that come back, Will, Bill Hartnell, all is forgiven. Um, and, uh, you know, imagine, it's Pat Trapton, the first thing you see is, you, is your co-stars <laughs> pulling a joke about bring back the old old bloke um but, but he took it in, in good in in, in good humor as pat trapton always does and yeah. it's gone down in legend and still it has on. and it sort of set the tone for the the three years he was on set yeah. <laughs> for legend uh, would have it do you think we'll ever get t-shirts say come back jodie whittaker no no never mind no. i think it, <laughs> no. i think it's unlikely i think it's unlikely uh while while we're talking about that yeah i wanted to know if any of you have ever seen ever seen this we've got the latest cover to the uh, the next issue of doctor who magazine has just been released so this Ooh, is also, look how small that jodie picture is look how this is also 60s orientated that's quite big compared to some of them ian so yeah, this <laughs> is five six available <laughs> in the shops or through your letterbox if you're a subscriber was it Chris Chibnall? Why? Why I'm leaving? We know why you're leaving, mate. You got we to don't care. the door. Yeah, but have you noticed that? Though? This is this is something that's interesting, isn't it? It says Chris Chibnall. Why I'm leaving Doctor Who? Not Jodie Whittaker. Why yeah. I'm leaving Doctor Who? Yeah. Not the actual alleged star of the show. Mm -hmm. So isn't that interesting, Space Bookers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whittaker's just gone. I was going to say, Whitaker's just gone utterly radio silent, hasn't she? Like she has. she's very wise. Well, yeah. well, one of the one of the um, rumors is that her agents told her to say nothing. I would yeah. totally, I would back that up and say to her, actually, do that and stay quiet for the next two years if you can, because obviously we know this is something we've got to get out to the fandom as well. They are filming her last episodes and Chibnall's last episodes now, not next year. They're only broadcast next year. They're filming them now. It's going to be a long wait. She'll have to do all the publicity sort of gimmicky stuff for the Radio Times and all that nonsense for next year. But get it all here now and then keep stuff. I'm with her agent on that. Just let it go. <laughs> it, yeah. it, has, it has to be. It has to be the case. They have to be playing a very, very tight game now for this woman's career to to survive this absolute disaster that we've seen. I mean, looking back at DWM, what's impressed me about this magazine? Not so much the contents of late. I think we're all aware that it's been suffering, yeah. but the covers generally have actually been better yeah. than ever the last year or so. There's been some real blinders, mostly yeah. geared around the classic show. So I think that's really evocative. It, it sort of sums up the tragedy, and but the romance at the same time of the fact that we have got missing episodes of our beloved Doctor Who. Mm. And, and I think the other thing, I think the other thing that really strikes me with this is dear old Billy Hartnell. You know, who we would not be here without Billy Hartnell. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And what you know, we know he loved the show. He didn't want to leave. He was forced to leave through ill health. He, I, I honestly think, if he was still alive today and in good health, he'd still be in the role today or they'd have had to wrench him out of the role. So isn't it brilliant, at least, to see him? What would he have thought all those years ago? Would he really believe that he was still on the front cover of a mainstream magazine in WH Smith's 
or 60 odd years later and he would be made up with that and so you know I, all hail to billy i'd and... love to speak to his granddaughter jessica, jessica carney isn't it mm -hmm. I don't know what mm -hmm. she thinks of it all i mean i know that she wrote his uh, his biography in, in the 90s didn't mm. she Who, who's mm. there it was called who's there mm -hmm. yep. i'd love to speak to it it must be a constant source of of nourishment to to the family i i would i would say the mm. uh, the longevity of of hartnell's own legacy well, they, well, when you think about it, there aren't going to be many people who left, in effect, mainstream media how many years ago, 60-odd years ago, that are still on the front cover of a mainstream magazine in WH Smith's. There's not going to be many stars that can actually pull that off, apart I, from, you know, the likes of Marilyn Monroe, James Bond, whatever yeah. it might be. The Beatles. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah, and, I, just yeah. acknowledge, I just want to acknowledge the comment here from Sun Raider Customs on screen. Spice what is that? It's loads better than Friday Night Tights. Oh. I've got nothing to say about that, Gary. That's the point. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to agree yeah, with no. him because I don't watch the other one. But hi, Sun Raider yeah. Customs, I agree with you. Don't watch no, the other one. I was going to say, <laughs> if there has been sort of one nice silver lining to what's happened with the show the last four or five years, I do think it's made a lot of people go back to classic. I think it's yeah, made a yeah. lot of people really appreciate classic. Yeah. Yes, it's made yeah, people want to sort of protect the legacy of those yeah, classic yeah, yeah. doctors more than ever. So that's sort well, of a nice side effect. Yeah, you're, you're right. right, Charlotte. We saw that coming out last year when the, the the second Chibnall series destroyed the mythos and destroyed the legend. And then from I was uh, uh, as we know we, we were looking at this from our point of view, weren't we, on the show after the the thing had been broadcast. But the amount of people that were coming out with the Hartnell first hashtag, which we covered on the show, and all this stuff that came through, and this love and this protection, if you like, for the first incarnation of the Doctor, who is William Hartnell. I thought that was amazing. And I just thought some of these youngsters won't know. But the mm -hmm. DVD the DVD sales for the original show, you can still get them in places like HMV, are still selling. They're still going. We're now seeing a renaissance with the Blu-ray box sets in two versions. Always bestsellers, always as number one, always at number two in the Amazon charts. What more could you want all these years later? I Fantastic. Saw a, I saw a, twit, a tweet today saying that asking whether they thought The Five Doctors was better than The uh, Day of the Doctor. And I wrote saying the Five Doctors is better than the Doctor. I, I, I would agree with you, oh, Ian. Classic, <laughs> classic, is it? We talk about classic Who, and I've seen so many pictures of classic Who recently, cartoons, pictures from the past, and stuff like. That. So it looks like classic is really coming back in a big way, and it's all thanks yeah. to Chibnall. It <laughs> is, it? yeah. So, and Charlotte's right that people have left the show last year, and they're all going back to the original stuff, which is freely available, and and, and fantastic, and welcome. Um, and, and join us because that's the that's the area you want to get into. Own, and in our own live chat at the moment, this is going on. Tardis Time said, "Type one. If you think William Hartnell is the first and only first Doctor, we've got a wall of ones all the way down our chat here. So yeah, I think that's that's from all over the world, all our various viewers. <laughs> that, li that literally sends shivers down my spine just knowing that everybody. That's just made me go a little bit oogly just knowing that everybody's typing Aww. one." You because sentimental Simon Le Bon Bon, you. I'm an old romantic. And I'm, you and are. Bless you. Us, crashing us back into 2021, everybody. <laughs> A couple of you may wish to avert your, avert your gaze from this. This is the very latest. This is an example oh, yeah. of how, how not to do it, everybody. How not to do it. Have you ever, have you ever yeah. seen a publicity picture as bad as this one for Series 13? It's the very definition of we don't give a shit anymore. Mm. What's the matter mm. with Yaz then? She's just in the background looking. She's in a sulk. Well, I'll tell you why yeah. she's in a sulk because she's got no. sidelined for John Bishop, hasn't she? Well, it's it's more simple than that. It's the number the number eight. It's ten minutes later again. 
Uh, well, I have to say, for this particular Yaz, the only way is not up. Mm. <laughs> I was a reference. Say, I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys have kept track, but they're doing like a clue thing, like the the oh, not, um, social just, just... accounts. Well, no, but oh. they're doing like this. Apparently, in the trailer, there was like the word mystery, and like they're doing this really weird like, oh, I know, scavenger yeah. hunt yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I think some the reason Yaz in that picture, there's something to do with her with this scavenger hunt. Mm. That's the reason Whatever. why she looks Whatever. like anything. Why? I don't mm. think people can be bothered with that kind of thing anymore. I think no. that, that that kind no. of interactivity <laughs> is is a little out of date, Charlotte. 80s. No, oh I'd God, say when I the internet arrived, when the when the internet arrived in the late nineties, nineteen, I remember doing something very similar um, on the BBC websites uh, between programs for something very similar in ninety nine, and when uh, very early days of the internet, where we were all on yes. dial up and we were practicing. Yes, with, do you remember that? It was like a treasure trail. Wasn't it? There's a series of numbers, yeah. and you had to decode them, and you could enter them somehow into into the BBC's original That's website. The one. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, I remember that. So that, that shows you how yeah, dated because... it is. But I... sorry, Charlotte. I was going to say, I think the bigger problem is it's not that it's a dated thing because I think more people are doing this. It's the fact that you're doing this at a time now yeah. when the show's got so less interaction, yeah. so less yeah. interest. People don't. This care. is something you should yeah. have done series eleven. You shouldn't yeah. be doing this now. It's just sort of well, it's desperation. Of desperation is simple as that. Yeah, it's but not it just that. I mean, if you look at that picture, can you bring that picture up again, Dan? If you look Do at the picture, uh, I've, I've removed <laughs> lost it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Well, listen. Oh. Look, look at look at that. Now that does not scream Doctor Who at all. None of them look like they're in Doctor Who. She does not look like the Doctor. It doesn't say Doctor Who. It looks more like something from Blue Peter or Why Don't You or something like that. This is a new oh. children's. Show. It doesn't say science fiction, adventure, fantasy at oh, all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly yeah, yeah. Compare that to something like picture. from Tom's Day. It could be a promo picture from any TV show, of any genre, from anywhere in the world. It's incredibly yeah. bland, low effort. They've just stamped the logo in the corner. I think if you were to look at look at this compared to the promo pictures from even, I hate to say this, even from three years ago, let alone five, six, ten, twelve. It, it, it is just sort of, you've got to spare five minutes in your lunch break, go and stand over there. I, it's lazy, shoddy, awful. uncreative, and it's just them giving up the ghost now. It, that proves that they just don't care. They don't care. They've got but no they, imagination. Wrong people. Biker usually growth, when, that's very good. It's biker growth. That's what it is. Usually why I man, have a why I man. Up of Doctor well, Who. He's usually doing exactly the Doctor Who pose, is. isn't he? He's usually doing some kind of Doctor Who pose or something. Do you know what well, I mean? Some kind of yeah, there's yeah, just, some, just nothing yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Some of the Absolutely early nothing. pictures. Some of the early pictures of Whitaker were almost before she'd actually been on screen. We didn't realize how awful she was. Were almost evocative. Yeah. And now it's like all, all pretenses are just gone. Everybody's just marking time. And as Alan Collins says, how on earth did it did it get to this? Who knows? Um, you know, they, they let Chris Chibnall in. Not going to stoke anybody's boiler. And is it, for and is it against the BBC's um, uh, thing to write Doctor Who? Why have they just got Who? No, it's mm -hmm. the, that was the other side of the branding. That came out in 2017 when they launched the branding with that little video with the Earthshock music from it. Right. So it's um, just got who, then? Yeah, they, they put that. They were just trying to be, they were just trying to be hip uh, and missed, some, uh, missed it by miles. We've got some creative, hmm. very creative comments what? in the chat, as always. Matthew Pounder says, looks like a community sentence, community service. Misfits. 
cleaning graffiti. off graffiti <laughs> and Darren Paris. I think hits it in the back of the net. This one's the winner. It's uh yes. What's, when it comes You've lost on it. It's the same one, mate. It's the same one. No, no, no. The chat's jumped on me. Doctor Who gone to the wall. Gone to the <laughs> wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. good, Darren. Well done. Absolutely. <laughs> and also, He's here all week. The yeah. thing is, the and people out there who've been hearing that this is a hit show, they're going to find this quite confusing. I think it's confusing the issue. It's confusing the signal about what Doctor Who is supposed to be. It's confusing the idea about who their intended marketplace is and why you would wish to turn up in the first place. Sorry, Charlotte. What were you going to say? I was going to say, and also, I'm sorry, John just doesn't look right next to those two. He just doesn't fit. I thought no. this, like, I, I knew he'd be a good, like, personality, but I just thought, like, you put him next to Whitaker and uh, Manip, and he just looks like he shouldn't be there. Do you know? <laughs> like, they've just dragged him from the street and has just, yeah. like, put him in the picture almost. Well, just yeah. imagine it, Charlotte. Imagine that photograph in the Radio Times or the TV Times the week these things start to go out again later in the year. The, again, the public, they don't care. They're not going to look at it. It's a page turner straight away because it doesn't scream Doctor Who. What you want from a photograph that's done Doctor Who is you want alien feel. Like, you know, back back in the days, they would have coloured lighting or they would have ice, yeah. dry ice or the, the odd monster and stuff like that. It's got to look science fiction, adventure fantasy. It's got to draw you in. It's got to get you excited. And that doesn't well and also i think the thing is with with those old publicity photos from from back in the day even if you didn't have the colored lights and the dalek in the background or whatever you think of let's say tom baker which was at the height of uh, height of popularity any photo with tom baker he immediately looked alien he, he looked, looked the like doctor. He some yeah. character he looked like somebody that you wanted to spend some time with and had got yeah. something to say and something a bit quirky about him the three of them together well, she doesn't. She doesn't look like the Doctor Simon, does no, she? I mean, she's looking no there, and she she doesn't look like the Doctor because just, she isn't really. There's no interest. Most... So you think of those Tom Baker pictures? They still looked slightly quirky, even if he was just standing on a street corner, exactly well, like these guys are. He would look quirky and interesting, and you'd want to spend time with him. I don't want to spend any time he, with them. He no. look iconic, I and mean, that's the word. I think we we hear this word so often now. It's a little overused. The word iconic. Oh yeah, definitely. but I think that's that's what Tom has. He has that charisma that sort of burns its way through a screen like that. He could make standing anywhere doing anything seem seem interesting. I think this not only this not only seems like people just everybody involved with with current Doctor Who just treading water until until it's gamo just marking yep. time. But I, I think the Lazily. confusing confusing the audience and and not sort of you see for everything that they say that they said at Comic Con for and for the little things that they've said since this this shows what they actually. Mm mean what they actually intend on bringing which is next to nothing don't listen to what people say look at what they do and this is the best they've they've got you've, you've also been extremely generous again there dan and I, I do say this a lot about you you're very generous because you've actually assumed there is an audience there is no audience there's no audience <laughs> you know it's not there is it i mean I they're not watching not. it uh, this is and what audience there is they're, they're not looking at the publicity photos anyway if there is a small audience no, they, don't, they yeah. just don't care yeah, you're right. yeah, and I and I also think it really highlights how dull Jodie's costume is because she yeah. hasn't got that coat on, and without the coat, there's no shape to that yes. outfit. There's nothing to strike oh, you about. Right. That's that's their attention. Yeah, yeah, that's their yeah. that they want. They don't want you to see a shape of a of a female. They don't want you. To, they don't want to see any anything to, related to a sexy female or a good looking female or female's body. They don't want that. That's, that's well, they, their, they their have. Philosophy. They have actually 
there was a picture, it's on the magazine cover there, where she is in the coat with those two, and she still looks yeah. bored to death and doesn't yeah. want to be there. She's totally bland. She's not the doctor. Simple as that. Not, can't even yeah, take a photograph properly. But at least at least the coat's got a bit of like something to draw your eye. It's a little bit more eccentric. It, it's a little It gives her a silhouette. More doctoring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well that's that's what the quote, wasn't it? As long about. as the doctor's got lapels to do something with, to pull on, to turn up or to flip down or to pin something to, then it looks like the doctor. And you remove the you remove a coat. From from the doctor in particular. What's this? I mean, no, if there's <laughs> no winged, if there's no you know winged collar, like sorry, go ahead, Dan. Sorry. If there's yeah. no winged collar to a, a shirt, for example, then you've got another you've got another signifier of the doctor gone too. So you know, yeah. not only have you got no silhouette, you've got no fine details, no fine details either. Moving on mm. a little from from that, yep. everybody. I just want to talk about uh, your tardest time in the chat. Says Dan, can you please say Ecky Thump? It's okay if you don't want to. Well, firstly, I just have. And secondly, <laughs> why? Why? Yeah, why? Thump. 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 We can all say I mean, the okay. thing is, though, <laughs> listening to all of us, it makes us sound, you know, it's like we're really hard on this era, which we should good. be. Yeah. <laughs> this good. era has been but, um, hard good. on us. That's yeah, I know it has. I know it has. Right. But the thing is, though, it's no. I just like to make it totally clear, you know, we're not we're not basically having a go at the people, you know, like Jody and stuff that like them personally. Person. We're just no. having a go at the no. actual. You, know, you the speak actual for yourself. Oh, okay. I'll <laughs> tell you, if I have a meter in the queue in the Burger King, I'll be having a word. Honest to God. <laughs> well, I, I said I, I I have nothing against Jody as a person or Chibnall as a person, but what they've done to Doctor Who. Is definitely the worst thing they've done to Doctor Who. So there you go. That's all I can say. So uh, it's uh, time to, time to <laughs> get happy. I think everybody and let's uh, get happy. Un un unless you're JT and if you've got your headphones, <laughs> because yes, it's time. It's absolutely time to take our uh, sojourn back through the past. No, just tell Who. me when the highlights and the lowlights on this day in Doctor Who history with our friend Simon Horton and his 500-year diary. We're gonna to have to change that. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. What's going on this time, uh, Well, this week we're, we're marking a quite uh, three very very big birthdays um, and one sad passing. Um, on Friday, on Friday, it's the birthday of uh, Sophie Aldred and Sylvester McCoy. So, we, so we're wishing them them a very, very happy birthday. I still think it's remarkable that they both happen to have their birthday on exactly the same birthday. day. Apparently this, is how they, apparently this is how they bonded as well when they very first met Absolutely. Sophie being interviewed about this, that they you know sat down, had a bit of a chat, and they tried to find the way that we all do when, we, when we've got new work colleagues. What have you got in common? What haven't you? And this came up pretty, pretty uh, early on. It's kind of nuts, isn't it? In, the, in, in much the same way that Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen both bonded because they both came from Liverpool. Um, Sophie and Sylvester, <laughs> yeah, bonded because they, they had the same birthday. Sophie was in her mid-20s when she started as ace. Sylvester was 20 years old in his mid-40s when he when he started back in uh, 87. Um, and uh, and uh, let's, you know, they, they did nine stories together, bless them, which is remarkable when you think about it. They only did nine stories together. Closing the the whole of the classic run outs, this pair, you know, ended the classic run with survival. And I still find it amazing. They only did nine television stories together because you just feel like they did years together in, in the best possible sense. Do you know what I mean? They're just an inseparable team. They're probably, of all of the companion Doctor 
relationships, they're probably the most inseparable team that I can think of from the classic run, certainly. Mm. I have <laughs> to agree with that. And I think it's I think it's partly because we saw and felt them grow together, them bond. Yeah. And that relationship kind of get a little bit pulled out of shape and then push one another. What do you think, JT? What is about these two two uh, actors? Well, obviously, because their personal rapport was way up there, um, that comes across in the characters on screen. I think it also helped that they had uh, the luxury of being able to have an input, of course, from yeah, their second yeah. series on, or still <laughs> second series on. Um, I, I do think there's other companion Doctor relationships that would challenge that, Simon. Obviously, Tom mm -hmm. and Liz utter classic john and and, and katie um and the, the whole effect of that was when that assist that companion leaves them there is an impact on the lead as well you know and you can you can blatantly see it in the way poetry plays it and the way tom plays it when liz goes i suppose it was the nature of the stories though though jt what? they were deeper well and also well, they were, they were a, there was a theme wasn't it it wasn't about those yeah. stories weren't about the doctor they were about ace and the, the, and it was hinted that he had manipulated her an awful lot into situations just to see how she would react to that situation. It's incredible that she's still talking to him all these decades on, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> the, reason, the reason I tend to think of these two as the, 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 the kind of quintessential inseparable pair is because, yeah, you're right, JT, of course, you know, nobody loves Liz Sladen and Tom Baker partnership more than me, but the difference is with, for example, Tom, we saw him bond very well with other companions as well. Whereas with Sylvester, <laughs> well, I thought he did. I thought he bonded brilliantly. No, I no, I'm, I'm just being, I'm just being a bit naughty. I know you are. Tom did <laughs> bond well with Jameson, but I thought he bonded brilliantly with the character of Leela. Same with Roman. So what? Whereas with Sylvester, I don't think, I don't feel he ever bonded well with Mel. And so the only real companion that he ever had was Ace. Well, so yeah. that's why I kind of think of them as, as. That's fair enough because we no, never I got mean, to see. I do, well, I do exactly. You who? What about oh, you give over. guys? Oh, give over. I would go with um, David Tennant and Billy Piper. Well, let's not get I would go with Tennant and um, Catherine Tate. Into, uh, into there you doctor, go, see? Thank God you guys mentioned books. New Who. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are stuck in classic. New Who's cool too. There's nothing wrong with that. We've already discussed it's having a renaissance. It's back. It's never going to change. It's there. It's there to discover. It's fabulous. Sticking with classic Who, I'm afraid. Also on Friday, also on Friday, we celebrate the birthday, bless him, of Anthony Ainley, who uh, would be 89 had he not died. Would he? Bless him, in 2004, 89, um, age 71. He was um, great. He uh, was great. Anthony Ainley's a genius. I mean, a little bit of background. He was the son of the renowned West End actor Henry Ainley. Um, he he started off with with an an uncredited role actually in you only live twice the james bond film yes he did he moved... really yeah he mm. did i did he, he moved on to um, play reverend Amelius in the palaces in 1964 and that is where john nathan turner who was the production manager for the palaces a bbc production that's where john nathan turner met him and saw him at work and thus that he, he six years later whatever it was he offered him the role of the master without even having an audition he just handed right. the, the role to um to uh, to the one and only Anthony Ainley, um, 
And of course, Antonelli then played Tree Mass, which was horribly an anagram of the Master. In the <laughs> and I'll never, ever forgive Chris Bidmead for giving him an anagram of the Master in, uh, <laughs> in, in, in Keeper of Charkin. But, but Ailey then went on to play the Master in 10 stories um, and, and sticking with, with pseudonyms. <clears throat> Famously, um, he had pseudonyms in the Radio Times that John Nathan Turner gave him <laughs> to hide the identity of the master returning. The best ones have to be uh, Neil Toyney. Neil Toyney. Which, mm -hmm. which, which was an anagram of Tony Ainley for Castrovalvo when he was the, when he was, um, the Portreeve. And uh, the, the, the most bizarre of all of them was James Stoker, which was an anagram of Master's Joke. Who was going to work that one out um, in, for the King's Demons? And, and so nobody saw him. So, so my favourite, my very favourite performance of Anthony Amy that I've talked about before is the Destiny of the Doctor's um, yes. piece game. Which he is literally, he acts anybody else off the screen. He's brilliant. I think the footage for that is is uh, put on the Keeper of Charkham DVD, I think. It hasn't appeared on Blu-ray yet, but I think it's on the Keeper of Charkham DVD. It's probably on YouTube. Go and look up the Destiny of the Doctor's footage yeah, of Anthony. Wonderful. It's we had a bit of it last week when we played the trailer in the advert section. But yeah, I think, I'd like to think that if he was still alive, they would have got Anthony Ainley back for the uh, the confrontation with Missy at the end of Series 10 in their shot. They wouldn't. They <laughs> wouldn't. They wouldn't have. They probably wouldn't. He'd have been well into his eighties, but I'd have loved to. Have you know what? He that. is a he he is a really good master, and and you know, I I I, I wish that he, this kind of master went into the new Who, and you know, because the the the, the way the um, Sims plays the master <clears throat> is just ridiculous, in my opinion, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah he he and um uh, Roger was the best masters in my Fantastic. opinion. You know. I agree. So rest yes, rest in peace, Anthony Ainley, and happy birthday for Friday, of course. Indeed. And uh, so finally today, um, sadly, today, this very day, we mark the very, very sad passing in 1990 of the great Graham Williams. Died in 1998, just 45. Um, he went far, far, far too young. Um, he, f for those who are not familiar with Graham Williams, maybe not quite so familiar with the classic series as, as some of us are, um, he replaced Philip Hinchcliffe. Um, in series 15, um, he was kicked off, Philip Hinchcliffe was kicked off incredibly um, and went on to produce Target, which ironically was the project that Graham Williams had developed. So they literally, the BBC literally swapped their roles round um, and told Graham Williams to tone down the violence and horror that had been so incredibly successful during the Philip Hinchcliffe years and had taken it to unprecedented heights and just goes to prove what I've always said, that the BBC don't know what to do with Doctor Who. They get it wrong every time. Um, and so Graham Williams came in. And let's not forget, Graham Williams uh, introduced K-9, um, Romana, the Black and White Guardians. All of these things are, are now iconic lore of, of Doctor Who that we're all, we're all still enjoying. He gets enjoying. a little bit overlooked, doesn't he, because the Hinchcliffe does. so lauded. But um, 45 was no age. It's tragic every time I hear that. And he produced, he, he produced, he, he worked on series 15, 16 and 17, um, produced 17 stories. Let's not forget, um, Dan, one of them is very close to our heart because his very first story, The Horror of Fang Rock, was produced oh, in Birmingham. Yes. Yes, in Pebble Hill. Yes, in the there we go. That's wondrous what... wonderland. Is that still there? <laughs> no, it's no, I didn't think so. They got rid of it a long time ago. Was it a car park? It's and a housing. Replacing... 
It's a housing oh, estate right. now, all new red brick houses. It's tragic when you drive along that stretch on your way to Edgebaston. There, it's not not very far from me at all. Just six miles. Well, the whole there. country knew that drive and those houses, didn't they? Thanks Absolutely. to Pebble Mill at once. <laughs> you and know, it was, it's, it, lovely. It was the only. It was the only Doctor Who story to be produced at Pebble Mill because they couldn't get the studios in London. Uh, the only other instance that mm-hmm. Doctor Who went there, of course, was for K Nine and Company. K Nine yeah. was also produced there. Was I was very. Nice. Anybody else ever go to Pebble Mill? I was lucky enough to have worked there. For a few years, anybody else? No, get to no, I, never I got there. Never passed there. Never went inside. I, I, I mean, like you, I went Dan, there once. Just, you went oh, once. Like oh, you, Dan, really? it's just down the road for me. It's, it's about half an hour's drive away for me. So great. Uh, it was Papel Mill was in my blood, and I was lucky to work there a few years ago. Anyway, so back to Graham Williams. As I say, um, he also uh, partly directed as well as producing. He also partly directed Nightmare of Eden when um, the director Alan Bromley quit. Mm-hmm. Um, in a bit of a huff, by all accounts. Um, controversial, <laughs> who knows? Reportedly, allegedly. Um, and he also, he also, let's not forget, he also co-wrote with Douglas Adams, his script editor, City of Death, um, which is one of the absolutely all great, you know, the very, very fondly remembered City of Death. And he also co-wrote the not quite so fondly remembered Invasion of Time. Um, <laughs> oh, bless. <laughs> Oh, and he was going realize. to write, of course. He was going to write, of course, for season 23. He was That's trying right. to write the Nightmare Fair and bring what you're talking about there simon seems to be a, a man a producer a creative who would step into a breach at any given point you've got to respect you've got to respect somebody like that haven't you ian i mean you do this you do a bit of everything don't you <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> but you know as i said you know um classic hue I, I in my opinion classic hue was slightly better than new who uh in my opinion only because i i, I only say that because i grew up with classic coup before i came to new who and i'm sure even though jt disagrees with me a lot but he still loves me anyway i know that um we're yeah. both we who both grew up who? with classic who we both and and same thing with simon as well so we understand it more than new who yeah and i like new yes who, so. well classic classic i hate the term classic who it makes it sound like classic so star trek doctor who <laughs> between 1963 and 1989 was one continual story yes. one continual series about what the same yeah. continual character yeah. Yep. What's ruined the latest version for me is that from nine onwards, everything oh, yeah. reads to Chris Very Chibnall small. and Jodie Whittaker. And for me, I, I can't get my head around that. I can't do it. So I've just lost interest and go back to proper Doctor Who, where it's the same character through seven different faces. That's no, a really I, strong I, I word, think, ruined, isn't yeah. it, Charlotte? Yeah, I think the problem is, and this is like, I will always defend New Who, because that's where I got introduced to the I show. Like but New I like New Who. I can see its faults, and I think the problem was yeah. it became, I don't know the good, like, in, in, in classic, it had its fan base, it was big, but it wasn't, like, cool or sexy or those sort of things, whereas when it came no. back, it became... Definitely bad. not, no. <laughs> so no but you know, that, do, but do, do you know the thing I hated about New Who mostly, though? Apart from the really crappy stories and the uh, you know intersectional apart rubbish, from that, um, yeah. apart from that, apart from that, as I hated that they made the Doctor seem like this all-powerful yes god, god. yeah, I hated that yeah. because in Classic Who he was just this guy with a box and going on adventures like and stuff, yeah, and I hate yeah. it where like you know everything is scared of him, the Daleks are scared of him, you know everybody's scared. I'm like, oh for God's sakes, it was never yeah, like that's this. what I mean. it was you never know, like that. I like yeah, the fact that I like the fact that among amongst his people. He was kind of an ordinary man. Yes, an ordinary, that's what I like. Ordinary guy yeah. working in presumably quite a bureaucratic little job. 
yeah. Who, yeah. who rebelled in the same way that people kind of rebel almost every day on the weekly in their own little way, yeah. certainly in a, in a British way. And that's how I always viewed the character, yeah. not as not as that mythic swaggering hero, although I didn't find that a major turnoff. I, I saw it as a mm. kind of evolution and, and, a, and probably a trade-off that was worth having. But it's you completely, think? yeah, generally, I think so. I think, I think, think now so. they I should drop it, though. Yet, but they now we're in it. wherever we are with it. It's, it. it's completely unrecognizable, and they need to get not just back to basics, but back to the very fundamentals. The fundamentals but I think, yeah, and they, but I think what's, what's interesting is, you know, going back to Graham Williams, this to me is what is the classic example of where, as I say, Philip Hinchcliffe for his three years took Doctor Who to, to incredible new heights, it had never mm. done better. Mm. Graham Williams came in and was given an entirely new brief. And this goes along with what you guys are just saying. Basically, it's still the same story. So although Graham Williams completely pretty much reinvented it, it's a very, very different show under Graham Williams than it was under Philip Hinchcliffe. But it's still, you can tell, it's still essentially the same chemical equation mm. making up that show it's just put together in a slightly different order and you end up with a slightly different result but it's the same show and that to me is what the bbc used to be very good at doing yeah i, I mean we when, have to we have I to think... point out what you've just said there as well simon graham williams was brought in as the producer with a remit by his yes. bosses to be able to say lighten this show up because Absolutely. they have bloody mary whitehouse on their back every saturday suspect, and graham did yeah, i did. suspect that when his seasons do start to make it to blu-ray in these fabulous blu-ray collection box sets they hope season 17 coming soon watch the space in whichever in whichever format as soon as they start to trickle out i think that there'll be a a reappraisal of graham's contribution I hope so. in Come line on. with the the uh, practical uh, things that were pressing on his time like that. I'm not saying that people will make allowances as such, but I think that people will find the groove of that era, get on board with it, and uh, and just get attuned to where know, the series was at that particular it, point. But we, I yeah. think we have to we have to move on now and and uh, go back about to say something to the 21st <laughs> no, century. Right, no, go right, on, yeah. Ian, you chime in first. No, I was just saying that you know the best what the classic Hugh. I like classic because it was it was in line with everything that was happening that time. You know you have the underdog that would come in into a situation where it looks like nobody could win and he would definitely win and that's what i liked about doctor who. in new doctor who, they changed all that where everybody was scared of him you know the universe knew who he was it was yeah, up to him to yeah. save the universe and i just thought it was just going in the wrong direction but i do understand what you said um dan that things have to evolve and that was one of the things that evolved from doctor who well i just no. wanted to go back I just wanted to go back. I think that, I think that by the to, time we reconnected you know. with the character in the specific, mm. I think Russell T. Davis was right to reinvent the the series. The the yeah. I, I think he was yeah. right to frame the mythology the way yeah. that he did back yeah. in two thousand and five. And in in reframing the that, it did need the Doctor to be to be an evolved version of the yeah. same character in yes. some way, in some way. So I think mm. it was inevitable. But I believe that at some point, and I think that Stephen Moffat. Partly, I think he had an opportunity to reset that and didn't take it. He actually took no, it. He did. He, re- he, he did took reset it. Up. it. I think he took it up further. I think he took it up further. Where, yeah, where the doctor became became more of a, a manipulator than ever and knew everything that was going on. But that does chime in with our major discussion point we're going to come to in a little while. But yeah, thanks for all that, Simon. Thanks for digging in deep there. Some great memories as always. Brace yourselves. We're on our way back, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Love 
So yeah, we talk about the classic <laughs> series. We talk about the classic series of Doctor Who there. And at the moment, I've just done a complete run of the classic show. But Ooh. as somebody Ooh. who makes who makes Doctor right. Who content and has a lot of conversations with you guys and with my friends here, I'm back watching classic Doctor Who at the moment. I'm watching one very specific Doctor Who story. I'm not going to tell you which one. <gasps> yeah, I'm not going to tell you which one. But That's I'm re-watching this story, and it's one that I've seen multiple multiple times, as I have with most. But uh, this particular story, every time every time I watch it, it confounds me that bit more. And uh, it's it's a case of what? It's a case of am I getting thicker as I get older? As my <laughs> attention span? It's the cakes. As my attention span started to shorten, I keep asking myself, or oh, is it just too is it just too much hard sci-fi for for Doctor Who? You know, and um, you know, these are stories, as with all classic Doctor Who, I've watched over and over again, you know, seriously, and with a lot of new Who too, Ian. You know, these are stories that I've now lived also lived with for a decade and a half. Yeah. And uh, and I it makes me wonder. I'm a hardcore Doctor Who fan, and I watch a lot of sci-fi. But Doctor Who has a broader appeal than that, I think, to the, to the general public. And sometimes it's the only... It's, and I've met lots of people like this, where it's the only kind of geeky-related show that a lot of normies watch. Yes. They consider it their, their sprinkling of the bizarre and of the fantasy. And some of them don't even know why they like it. They just know they wouldn't miss it. Mm -hmm. and it's And it's... For that one, well, it used to be for that one sort of forty-five minute period once a week for thirteen Saturdays of the year, it took them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But then I think about, <laughs> I think about the classic show, and Charlotte, you were mentioning earlier on in the last segment about how that was at the end, at the end of the classic run, and it had got to this place where <clears throat> I think uh, because sci-fi itself too was a little out of fashion, where the general public, when they thought of Doctor Who. They had this idea, and it was it had culminated, I think, when, when the show completely vanished from screens. There was this perception that Doctor Who was complex, obscure, uh, only for people who studied it, you know, really studied every line of it, and were slightly detached from reality, and that therefore the scripts weren't worth hearing and investing in. I think it got to, a, and it was completely, it was largely. Undeserving. I mean, I remember when they started running repeats in 1992 on BBC Two. Uh, they started putting out repeats at around 6:30 on a Friday evening. They started with the Time Meddler, and uh, I moved in. I moved in circles. A lot of my friends were non-geeks, and proudly so. And I took a lot of heat for loving Doctor Who. But some of them, when they saw that it was back with these with these new repeats, they kind of indulged me and they watched it. And that. I think it was that night, like Friday night at the pub after the time meddler started. I remember one guy in particular said, oh, I, you know, I gave it a go. I watched your show. I watched Doctor Who. He looked at me and he said, didn't understand a bleeping word of it. <laughs> and never watched again. So I got to thinking as to, you know, what is the public perception of Doctor Who? What is the fans' perception of Doctor Who? And the idea of these stories, these sci-fi stories, sci-fi and fantasy stories, is Doctor Who a sci-fi show or is it a, a fantasy show that just does sci-fi? And does it have to be hard sci-fi? Do people, do the yeah, do the general public in, do they recognize the difference between hard sci-fi and sci-fi? And more to the point, those stories that go a little bit over people's heads, 
people I've spoken to, they will admit the story kind of went over their heads and they didn't get it, but they enjoyed it anyway. So the general question I wanted to ask you out there watching on YouTube and you guys here, my esteemed colleagues in fandom, is do we need to understand the story to appreciate it Ian? of course you do for god's sake but ask the question. general public ask no the general public. no but look look so, the tell me, Ian, so tell me ian to those people yeah. out there who say who say oh, i love doctor who i wouldn't miss it didn't understand mm. it but i wouldn't miss it what where does that come from but, well, I don't know. I, don't, I never met anyone that said they liked Doctor Who and they didn't understand it. Never. Not in, not in my lifetime of, of, of being a fan of Doctor I'm Who. I'm claiming on the weekly, sort of, every episode <laughs> they didn't understand. But regularly, you know, some weeks it's like, whoa, what No, well, when, when, I was, when I was a lot younger, when I was, you know, in uh, my early teens, I used to watch to uh, Tom Bacon. Sometimes I didn't understand the story. But I was such a fan of Doctor Who. If you're talking about that kind of people, yeah, sure. You know, my mum watches movies, and she she watched the um she watched that Endgame. She enjoyed it, but she she couldn't tell me what happened. Do you know what I mean? She's sit yeah. there and go, well, that's, you know, that's that guy exactly I I mean. punched that guy and this that. But I enjoyed it. I didn't understand what was going, but I enjoyed it. But with Doctor Who, I don't think I, I think it's really important that people understand what's going on. How could you get excited if you don't understand what's going on? It makes no sense, you know. I think I think music and performances and good characterization can do that, JT. Um, yeah, I, I disagree. <laughs> um, I think you can, um, I think you can enjoy Doctor Who without understanding a particular story. There is a difference between fans and the public, and I'm talking UK public here. Um, again, we have to point out that Doctor Who is ingrained in the United Kingdom. It is part of our culture. It's our heritage, which is why you can't mess around with certain people that might be watching this show. You can't do too much to it to move it into a progressive state because it's there. It's with Sherlock and Robin Hood. You know, it's part of our it's part of our psyche, and we get it. And the reason that people watch it is because it's entertainment. And you know, with some entertainment, you don't have to buy into it 100%. If you're coming away thinking, actually, that was a crack in 25 minutes or half an hour or 40 minutes, or whatever it is, that's what you need to have a successful show. So, you know, if you get something out of it, and this is where New Who misses it by miles, because a lot of the stories are totally unforgettable. You just, it, it, whoosh, they've gone, whoosh, they, gone, they whoosh, gone. They move so fast, don't they, before you yes. have a chance to process yeah. So how could you soak that in? So, you know, the fact that it was popular at one point was simply because of the acting talent and the public liking that and appreciating it. And it had monsters in it and baddies, but they would have gone away thinking, well, that was good. Didn't get the story on most of it. So I think there is a difference between the fans and the public. And I think you can sit down and, and watch something. I mean, I used to sit down and watch things like Dynasty hadn't a bloody clue what was going on, but I still <laughs> like the fact that, you know, oh yeah. I mean, you can tune into EastEnders now if you're one of the two million doing that. And I'm sure you haven't a clue what's going on. Um, but, you know, it's a real case of, yeah, there, you can take something out of that. Simon, there's a message here from Crimpling Doubloon in the chat that says the mystery and impossible events of old episode ones would, I think, draw in the general audience who ordinarily would say they don't like sci-fi. There was a way of, I suppose, you know, against what JT's just been describing, that momentum of the new show where it's, it hits you and it, it grabs you, sorry, on that trip of a lifetime and doesn't let you go. And the way that they would lead you into the uncanny or the otherworldly with, with classic Doctor Who. 
Well, yeah, you were definitely dra drawn in more on, on Classic Who than you are now, where it's, you know, just hit you and, and we're off and running. To me, I, I, I think you don't have to understand Who to appreciate it. But I think the thing is, what you've got to bear in mind is there's kind of two levels of understanding here. Um, and, and, and that's that a story has to have some sort of internal sense. So when the public, because I think the public don't really understand Doctor Who, but as I say, to be to be precise on this, if you take something like, let's say, the talents of Wen Chiang, do the general public understand the minutiae of the fact that Wen Chiang is actually a, 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 a war criminal from the 51st century called Magnus Greel, who was known as the Butcher of Brisbane, who, 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 who led an army against the... No, they don't care about any of that. They don't understand that. They don't get it. What they do understand is this is a rollicking good adventure in Victorian London. It's got giant rats in it. It's set in, there's bits of it set in a, China, in a theatre with Chinese bloke that does tricks. That's what they understand. So, no, they don't understand. They don't understand the, the, the tiny little details that we then write theses on and analyse. They don't mm -hmm. understand that. That's what they mean when they say, I don't understand Doctor Who. So but well, they I do understand I, the sure. basics of it, and that's what they enjoy. That's why... You don't have to actually understand the minutiae. You just have to understand. Oh, that's twice he said that. The minutiae. Minu what well, I want to ask you, you Charlotte, was kind of, kind of what they talked from how Simon New was word. describing there. Do you think part of it as well is the, is the clash of the everyday with the otherworldly? And that if you're somebody who has just watched, I don't know, all creatures great and small, Emmerdale, Countryfile, anything involving fields, basically. Don't bring or, or, into it. or just silly old sitcoms, whatever else. And then this just drops into the schedule and it's a bit of this and it's a bit of that. Is that part of what sets people kind of on the back foot and to the point where they don't really know what to make of it? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think Doctor Who is such a unique show because it doesn't have to keep to one genre. You can have like a horror-like sort of in classic if you want to do like a Hinchcliffe or you can have something that's a bit lighter. You can have a pure historical or you can have pure sci-fi with spaceships and like everything that you'd expect of a sci-fi programme. And I think because of the idea of the TARDIS, because of the idea of Time Lords and every the yeah, sort the of basic itself. ideas, it basically means you haven't got a lot of limits if you really want to try with this show. And I think that's what the British public love about it. But I also think to do with what you're saying about understanding, I think that's the fun sometimes of maybe revisiting. I think this show's also got that, that not a lot of other shows. You would want to maybe go back and watch so much, but you with mm. Doctor Who, you, you might think, actually, I didn't quite understand that first time. I'll watch it again. It's like recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, particularly now in the twenty first like, century, where we, where we can. No, well, no, that, that's the, the that's the difference. Yeah, that's the, the difference. Uh, what Charlotte's talking about—that we as fans will go back and revisit, but the public won't. Yeah, yes. I think I, you know what. Yeah, think, but that's fan, what I'm saying. I think it's, it's both sides to it. I think it's the concept. The concept's very simple. Man in the box travels through time, goes in adventures. Yeah. And I think that people are not into Doctor Who. They get that concept. And it's a really good concept. It's a concept you can come back to time and time again because you meet, you're talking about different time zones, different adventures and stuff. That's, that's a good concept. That's why people who don't really understand who comes back to it. But I still maintain that to have a good show, have a good series, people have to understand what's going on. 
And if they don't understand what's going on, that means it's a problem with the writing. That's but, well, that's where I, that's I, I where probably Doctor Who about writing. So, but sorry, guys, but um, mm. yeah, I mean, what I want to say about what you were just saying, though, Ian, mm. I suppose that's where storytelling can, if you can bring it in on two different levels. So yeah. whether you understand, for example, whether you've seen that <laughs> clip of the Doctor and Leela JT in the in the TARDIS all those years ago with him explaining, whether you understand yeah. that the TARDIS, uh, as Charlotte was saying, whether the TARDIS is trans. Uh, dimensionally transcendental yeah. or not, or whether it's just a magic door. It works just as well in the, con in the context of a given plot. Uh, yeah. It's kind of backs up what Ian's just been saying. Well, uh, sort uh, of, but I'm, I'm going to challenge it because in the context of the TARDIS, people just know it as it's inside, it's bigger on the inside. Now, we get it and we've moved on. You know, it's again, it's part of British heritage, it's part of our culture. It's a police box, but it's infinity inside. We've, we're over that. We got through that in the 60s. But the other side about the storytelling, to go to Ian's point and Simon's point, take the talons of Wen Chiang as the example Simon gave out. The good storytelling in that, the absolutely brilliant writing of that, because it was split into those episodes, occasionally a character, usually the Doctor, would remind you that Magnus Greel was from the future and was a criminal. Yeah. And there you go. There you go. It's back again. You've been reminded. And, and yeah, part of the story. So he would, they would mine the scripts with those reminders of where we were. Over, over we four or six them. weeks. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, and also, and also, not sort of wanting to get too deeply technical on all this, but I, I do believe that there is, as long as a, as a script has some sort of internal logic, you yep. don't have to understand all of the... Uh, external logic, if that kind of makes sense, I, I, to take it to take something completely off the wall, um, such as Kinder, for example, um, mm -hmm. that has an internal logic. You know roughly what's going on. There's there's somebody. There's a group of colonists have landed on the planet. They're scientists. They're they're, they're doing experiments, so on and so forth. There's a group of natives who are not very pleased about them being there. That and there's an alien monster out there. That, and that's kind of in its most base form. So it forms this kind of internal logic. Now, if you try to unpick it and actually make sense of it all, that's <laughs> when you're going to struggle. But, that's, but that doesn't matter. But my, my, my point, Simon, is they should never have that script commissioned. If it doesn't make any sense on the page, it should never be commissioned. And, but, and if but, I was showrunner, I would never make that show. But it, it does have it, the internal logic. It that's has not the, the point. The point is it's got to talk to the audience. That's the whole point of making stuff. But it does talk to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Ian, I, 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 talk, I'm just saying, you, if it you, doesn't talk to the audience, can, that's, for me, doesn't make sense. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, but you you can talk to an audience more than a mm. more than the actual story. If that makes sense, you can talk no, no, you can't. No, you can't. It, look, as a filmmaker, like for instance, I went to see. Uh, uh, if look, if you have to work hard and trying to understand stuff, you failed, in my opinion. You've got to find the balance between being clever and making sure it reaches the wider audience. That's your job as a showman. That's your job as a as a but, storyteller. That's, but, that's what but, you have to do. But if, but if that's the case, then it, yeah. on that logic, we're going to throw out 2001 A Space Odyssey. No, well, I, to... I don't like 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's but a lot my, of people that, do. I know, we're I know. Throw out Blade Runner. I, we're going to throw out a razor yeah, head. No, no, no. Blade Runner, you can understand. It's by some of the greatest, most yes. successful directors yes. of all time. Yes, this Simon, is... you're absolutely right, Simon. And do you know what? I'm not going to argue with you. But the problem is, for me, 
that 2001 never uh, worked for me. Well, ever. that's just it. Me. It's for you personally. Yeah. Because yeah, I love things that don't actually make sense. I love yeah. 2001 uh, because it doesn't make sense. I love Blade Runner. I love Kinder. I love Warriors Games because could it be, they don't could make it be, sense. Simon, but for some of us, depending on the kind of characters that we are, we when when a plot drops us in the middle of something and we've got to kind of place our faith talking about the moth. current, the current <laughs> will take us somewhere to some sort of ground that we will be able well, to relate to or yes. whether it leads whether it whether it purposefully takes us by the hand and and leads us if not step by step then certainly to hit certain points that will be recognizable markers of either things that we've seen or read before yeah it's going to depend on who we are and how we process story in the same way that we've, we've got different learning styles as people but also but also i think the thing is here and again we can't get quite deep on this one but but i would compare it for example with a turner painting you look at a turner painting and it makes complete sense it's it, I get. I hear what you're painting. saying. It's all. Whereas I look at a Dali painting or an abstract painting, it doesn't make sense, but it's yeah. still beautiful and and it's got merit in its own right. We're and not so, talking about paintings. We're talking about scripts. We're talking about stuff that's but, supposed but, to talk to the audience. You know, what, what, as, as a yeah, story. That, that's what I was saying, Ian. Like, mm. for example, I, I love Boomtown. I love that episode, and I know for some people they see it as a bit of a silly sort of like. They needed to fill a spot before the big finale sort of episode. It's a bottle episode. Mm, I like Boomtown. But the, but the reason why I love that episode is because mm. of the character work in that episode. Because they, they took the Slovene that, were, that weren't received well. They were seen as a joke. They were seen as this like really too cheesy sort of alien. And they actually, when they got Margaret and said, what happens if the Doctor catches up with an alien after he's defeated them? What's mm. the consequences? And that whole that's what that story's about to me. And that's why I love it because it is it's the rare It makes sense, right? But why yeah, but that's my point now. I don't love but, that for the story. It's it's the character work, and that's what that's your choice. Things, yeah, sure. So certain on, things will re register more than on screen, the story. On screen at the moment, we we're looking at images from uh, several stories that have confounded Doctor Who fans for the longest time. Some of them for a How really long could, time. What, for the angels, weeping angels, confound us. I think these are the stories that I see where they get named as the more complex or the more or the more disturbing or both, and people don't necessarily always know why they've responded in the way that they have, but they, they just do. So, with, for example, we've got Ghost Light up on screen. P.D. Rich is there watching at the chance. If Ghost Light was like that, absolutely yeah. it was. People yeah. still talk about that now. People, you've seen these stories again, dozens of times in some cases. Uh, do, are you? Are you in any more possession of what it's all about now than you were 30 years ago? Maybe, maybe not. We've got Planet of Spiders up on screen too. The, the Buddhist story written by Barry Letts. There's Legopolis with its dense mathematical elements to that story, courtesy of Christopher H. Bidmead. Simon, you mentioned Kinder there. Every time I watch Kinder, sometimes I think I've got it. I know exactly. I understand it. And then when somebody asks me, okay, explain Kinder then, I go, well, it's about... It. Well, it's like... It's kind it's of that like... thing this. you read. Kinder. Yeah. And you, think, <laughs> and you think... And I think to myself afterwards, okay, well, I did have it. Why well, haven't I still got it? Yeah, it's, but that, to me it's personally, not... that's wrong. As a filmmaker... No, but what I'm saying is... Right that, what I'm saying is, at the time, yeah. after I've... I mean, sometimes I can watch something and after it not have a, a Scooby-Doo, what I've just seen. But there are, <laughs> uh, there are some of these stories where I watch them, I process them, 
and say a day or two later, sometimes I'm still thinking about them and I know not just what, what I personally have taken from them, but I do understand them. And then mm. a, a couple of months passes by and you get into a pub chat, kind of as we are as we are now, where we're sort of throwing ideas around and somebody puts you on the spot and says, okay, then smart ass, explain Ghostlight. And I go, well, it's, well, it's, well, it's kind of like, and you, and you think, well, okay, well, but your, but your powers of communication, Simon, somehow, they, they yeah. depending on what kind of day it is, what frame of mind you're in, they sometimes elude me. And I think, well, okay, is that my fault or is it the writer's fault? The writer's or fault. Or does it, it not is, even no, matter if I've no, enjoyed not. getting there? Ian is right. It is the writer's fault. I disagree. But, but it depends <laughs> on what the writer intended to do. And the way, and the way I look at it is that... Uh, 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 Something can be enjoyable without it being easy. No, to I totally agree with you. I totally what? agree with you. Well, what is? I don't understand what the problem is. No, the pro for me, the problem is is that if I was showrunner or if I was a writer, okay. like I would need the thing to make well, sense. You know, the, the thing um, is, what, what what you're doing, of course, when you do when you when, when you make something like Ghost, like Warriors Gate, Kinder, that is impenetrable. Stephen Moffat is is the absolute king of this. Um, of making impenetrable storylines. Now, what you're doing, of course, is you are playing with fire because eventually public um, public patience will run out mm. and they will stop watching. Warriors Gate at four episodes was probably just about as much as the as the as the audience could cope with. Ghost like the same with three episodes. So you so you're definitely playing with fire. So what I'm saying is, I think there is value in things that don't make sense as long as they've got some other reason, such as Charlotte says characterization maybe or it might be visual aesthetics that such as warriors gate that sell it to an audience so you can make something that doesn't make sense it's got some other quality to it that an yeah, audience I, I, really I hear you enjoy. i definitely but, hear you but, as but I you've said, got to be careful what you're doing you've got to be yeah, careful but as i said you know i i don't like um I, there are some stories that moff has written written i think it's great it's brilliant but i hate when he drops you into something that that we're supposed to know what happened before and I'm just like, what's going on? Especially what he did with um, Sherlock. To, to this day, they never explained how Sherlock survived when he jumped off the roof. They're all kinds of stupid things. But that's just that, lazy writing. And that to me, yes, that to me is that, lazy. Hang on a minute. Can, can I come writing. in on that? It's not actually rocket science. I, I, I get this about, I'm going to just go off on a tangent here about Sherlock. Knock it off. Go and read the Arthur Conan Doyles. That's where they've got their material from. The roof that you're talking about is the Reichenbeck Falls. If you want to know how it is resolved, go and read Sherlock Holmes no, with I the most superior Arthur Conan Doyle. Because I'm supposed to have the answer in the show. Yeah. They didn't want to go off and read the book. What I'm saying, though, is they bastardized the original Conan Doyle okay. story. It wasn't original stuff here. They just modernized what, what he had written. But the other thing, the other thing I think the difference here is that is now highlighted. We're now sort of teasing out, as it were, is there's a difference between <laughs> there's a difference between somebody like um, uh, Christopher Bailey who writes Kinder deliberately to yeah. be obscure and difficult to understand, and then there's lazy writing. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think Chris that. Bailey did it deliberately. I think it's what he was interested in. He was very interested sure. in psychology yes. and the matters of the mind. Now, yes. bearing in mind when it was transmitted, we had a brand new doctor. The show was aiming at a new audience of midweek or um, 7 o'clock, 7.30, whenever it was going to be on. That was there. And it worked. 
the other thing you've got to put into context as well is never ever assume that your audience isn't going to understand what you put out there, especially the great British public, because you can't tell <laughs> what's find, going on with the them. Balance but also, them. when you when you've got yeah, a right. series that ran for as long mm -hmm. as Doctor Who did, with seven stories per season, you've got different stories for different flavors. So when you're looking at Kinder, when you get to Kinder, you've had Castrovalva, you've had Four to Doomsday, bang, Kinder, something completely different. But a few weeks later, you're in Black Orchid. Yeah. Something completely different. Well, then you've got Earthshot coming. Anybody could understand Black Orchid. And exactly, so, because it was fun. So, that, you know, it's... It is variety. I'm not disagreeing with you guys at all. Uh, uh, believe it or not, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. But you're talking to the fellow that didn't like 2001, didn't like Citizen Kane, did not like The Big Blue, because for me, those things were too arty and, I, and, and, and was it was too out there. And when, as an audience member, I should really be enjoying that stuff. I enjoyed the visual effects in 2001. I enjoyed Howlbit in 2001. The rest is just a big waste of time for me. All of it, that bit is a waste of time. But, you know, yeah. that's me, right? That's just But then, me. But then again, you you'll, you'll like stuff like the Marvel things i'm yeah, not particularly like fond of it because oh, i think it's all nonsense why did exactly. they kill off all the characters in that show where all the, all the main characters why are they bringing <laughs> out all this <laughs> tosh that nobody's heard of who are all these got, other who's this Kangli or whoever he is piss off got a comment here from digby strawbridge watching in the chat it's an important balance between intriguing yes. and confounding the audience yeah but it has to make sense and you, Vanessa like Moore if you go to the pub like dan and go what was kinder about I can tell you what <laughs> Kinder is about. Like that, Vanessa <laughs> Law says, what a lively conversation. I love it. Always going to have yeah, lively conversations. Like I was, uh, was going to say, I I think the difference is, obviously, in classic, it was like a one-shot story, wasn't it? It yeah. was like, that's your story for these weeks or week. <laughs> Whereas when Moffat was doing his arcs, the problem was <laughs> because of the way Doctor, Doctor Who was set up then, yeah, it had yeah. to basically all link to a point and then have a big reveal. No, it didn't. Always It didn't. He was the showrunner. He could have changed that format. He could have. He could have done anything with the show. He could have said, "I want it to be half-hour episodes now, and I'm going to have it in a series of four. But he didn't. He followed the American pattern, which is okay at the time. It's now not necessarily at the time because times moved and viewing habits are changing and it's all different again and people want something different in our country. But he had that choice. And then he had these overarching failed ideas in his head that all this was going to link up. And then, of course, we had the lost season, which screwed up that. And then Matt decided wow. quite rightly to go when he did. You've got to be careful of those big things. But, but that's the showrunner's responsibility. He didn't have to do any of that, Charlotte. No. Speaking oh, I know, but Stephen that's the Moffat difference. Here, so that's uh, why spe speaking about speaking to, uh, <laughs> about Stephen Moffat in particular here. I think that uh, I mean, for when I've spoken to people to to normies about this, they tend to point in the direction of series six of New Doctor Who at a point that they found particularly challenging. Yeah. And it was the time where we had we were right in the in the very very depths. Of the arc of River Song, who is River Song? Why oh, should we care? We've got the whole yeah. situation where yeah. where the I, where the Doctor, we've seen him die at the beginning of the season, and then we're supposed to watch yes. through the entire thing, and with a big gap of months in the middle as well to get there. And I think that really confounded yeah. the audience, and that pushed them perhaps a little too far than mm -hmm. many were prepared for on a yeah. Saturday tea time, and in a way which I think that that kind of stretched their loyalties. A little, absolutely. The fondness, the fondness for the show, and the and the way that they responded to Matt yep. Smith, in particular in that title role, did Mother kind of pull them son. through. Steve, I've got a quote, Kissing. a quote here from 
I've got a yeah. quote here from I've got a quote here from Stephen <laughs> and uh, he talks he talked about this extensively uh, a few times because he believed now where where have I put that he believed that uh, that the general public how can I uh, where have I put that uh, yes yeah, so he, he believed that the general public there was this idea out there that the general public <clears throat> didn't actually watch the show, that they had it on in the background and didn't pay attention to it. And this is something, because you know, I think this is something that we've all heard. You know, I just switched my brain really? off. And I think that's yep. a, an expression that people kind of trot out when they just let something kind of carry them away. I don't think it means that people don't watch it. And Stephen Moffat believed that too. But he said that of his own scripts, you know, he'd been brought to task a little over Let's Kill Hitler in particular, right in, mm. in the middle of all those things that were all going on. And, and Let's Kill Hitler is all over the place. But he always says that uh, of all of his scripts, that uh, Day of the Doctor is the one that was the most complicated. And he says, I, uh, I feel that I'm entitled to say this because I wrote it. Uh, in what order does any of that happen? Where do you start? Do you start with the 11th Doctor? Or do you start with the War Doctor? Do you start with Paul McGann's Doctor? What happens next to who? In what order? And, well, yet that, and yet that's and yet that's and yet that's Doctor <clears throat> Who at its most accessible and most multiplex. This was Doctor Who as Doctor Who for anyone, even if you hadn't seen it before or for a long time. And yet it's the most complicated script I've ever written. That's that's what he said. So you can and he's not wrong in that, is he? So it's a balance. I think what he's pointing to is a balance of script and production values and, mm. and the characters and the characters I'm with JT here. Doing, doing <laughs> things and the characters doing things and saying things that speak to us on whatever level, even if it's the most superficial level. If we're enjoying it, we're enjoying it and we leave all smiles anyway. And isn't that what matters? No. It, well, no. It, it is what matters. If he if he has said that in regard to the day of the doctor, I'm gonna say, well, it was your own bloody fault. You didn't yeah, need to make it that complicated. You had two doctors that had signed up to do it all you had to do was bring the two doctors in and the daleks and and the public and the fans would have been very happy to have that you didn't necessarily have to go off on this whole here's a brand new incarnation which has since affected the, the show yeah, coming into the modern day you didn't have to go into all this whole thing about acknowledging the time war resetting it blah blah, blah, blah. i mean that yeah, was that was, know, that was that was sheer that's, fan wank obviously, you know that's just, that's just one example though uh, i think yeah the, but the, the most of his series balance, was like that the, the balance that he's talking about though is kind of universally applicable and i think i think russell had done that too to a lesser extent but i think what russell did arguably better than than stephen was to realize that it was that it was just as powerful and just as complex and just as um just as searching and required just as much reflection from an audience from any of us or any of you if things were emotionally complex uh, as much as narratively. Mm. I, I, you know, I think I'm with JT here. The, uh, you know, he made it too complicated. He, he, he got him, dig him, he dug himself a hole and he couldn't get out. And so he, so in, I've spoken about this before. I'll just mention it one more time. He should not have created the War Doctor. It should have been Paul McGann, that's and it should have went straight across. That's, that's what I'm <laughs> I said I'll just mention it once, mate. I'm not going to mention it again. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, I think he's made it oh, yeah, complicated. But... Yeah. No, but it was Sorry. interesting because I watched I watched Day of the Doctor. Was it two days ago? Because I was like trying to find a stream again, in my yeah. top five. But actually watching it again because I hadn't watched it in years. It was a proper like almost fresh viewing of it for me. 
Mm. I was actually impressed with it. I thought it actually wasn't too complicated to watch it. I thought it's, it's not complicated. complicated. It's not complicated. No, and I like the fact mm. that actually he did finally sort of put the time war to bed. He fu- that thing that had been overhanging. Do you think Doctor though, Charlotte? So long. Do you, th- <laughs> do you think that Stephen Moffat more kind of yeah. meant that it was more complicated for him to write and for yeah, him to make a, across to, it. for him to sell a story like that that that's got all those levels and it probably does have more levels levels than even Let's Kill Hitler that it required more <laughs> oh, effort on his part to pitch that story to us and make it uh, and to make it sit with us. He's so sort of confusing yeah. the roles. It probably was, but I think he was vet for Moffat. Actually, like I said, I watched it again, and I thought you're actually not egging it too much for once. He had a core theme in Dame the Doctor, which was the Time War and the effect yeah. that that had had on other yeah. generations afterwards. And I know, and I like the fact that the Doctor actually had a frank conversation about the Time War because I felt like that never really happened. We'd had like little moments and little comments. But for him to actually face himself and just go like, you've just forgotten it. That's why I really like that moment with Tennant and Smith when they are. But really why did he forget it? It's other. probably a bad. It's probably a bad example that that, uh, it, that it is, mentioned yeah. that story in particular because obviously yeah. that had a, a way bigger job to to do and all yeah. that law is kind of a different question. But I think what we're, we're looking at the mechanics of a script and I think that the more any story has to ask of its audience and the more plates it has spinning the harder the 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 duty of the writer if they're good and if they're aware of their responsibility towards a viewer in the way that ian was saying then the writer needs to be the one who puts more effort in not necessarily the viewer well that's it this is the beauty, I think. So done. This is the beauty of what how Doctor Who can be, and why it should return to a thirty-minute format and several stories in a series, because then you have that variety. Because it, have a look at season twenty-six. Remembrance of the Daleks is gung ho, bang, 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 bang. You you don't need to think, right? You know where it is. There's a Dalek. It's going to kill you. You've got to fight back. The Curse of Fenric is something completely different. The Greatest Show of the Galaxy, oh, that was 25. Um, Curse of Fenric, Battlefield, you know, all these... I mean, the whole Sylvester McCoy, if you put them all together in one, they're all different. And then you've got Ghostlight, which is something completely different. I find it very easy to understand and follow Ghostlight. I don't know what the big fuss has been about for all these years. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's... it's Show off! <laughs> well, it, uh, well, look, but it is. I mean, the story is basically... <coughs> oh, Ghostlight you. is, you've got a cataloger. And this guy has been ca- going around cataloging life. And he's been writing it down in his little index in his little library. Da, 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 and then it goes and changes on him. And what does he do? He goes, Arr! and the easiest way for him not to have to go through his entire universal catalogue is to destroy life. There you go, nutshell. And that's but this what is I'm the talk- and that JT is what I'm talking about with the internal logic. And I saw Java being said the same thing in the chat earlier on. As long as the story's got internal logic, don't try and connect it to the outside world. It's science fiction, it's fantasies, whatever it is, it won't connect. It won't make sense if you try and rationalise it with with the outside world. So, but as long as it makes internal logic, which Ghostlight does, which Kinder does, which Warriors Gate does, which Two Thousand and One: A Space Odyssey does, it's fine. It makes, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the brilliant thing about it. Also, bear in mind as well, as you get older and you revisit these things. So, for example, Warriors Gate, I was 10 coming up to 11. 
at that very special time when we knew Tom was going as well. I watched Warriors Gate at that age thinking, don't quite get this, but loved it anyway, to go back exactly. to our point of it. I exactly. loved it. I was absolutely distraught when Romana and K9 leave at the end, even though I knew it was coming. Uh, and, and I loved the blandness of it. Um, and I just thought, this is different. But I watch it now, at my sensitive age now, <laughs> and I get it. I, I get what Steve Gallagher was trying to do. What the, I, I understand the backstage hassles that they have. So I, 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 there's certain artistic things I will allow for that. I understand when Graham's come in. I get the story, though. And I understand that this was the gateway to, between universes, which I didn't quite grasp between the E-Space and the N-Space thing when I was 10. But now I get that. And that's why the void is the void. This is the Tharals coming in as time sensitives. I know now that Romana's going to deal with them. Very topical stuff today of what she's going to do. And it's just brilliant. And, and I love that story now. So you've got age that will come into all this as well. And one thing that Doctor Who, between 1963 to 1989, has done is actually aged brilliantly. I do not think the modern series will age properly yeah, I we think have it will. a wonderful i'm not sure comment. we have a wonderful mm. comment here from java being in the chat who says a normie once told me doctor who was not was not <laughs> supposed to make sense wonderful that's the point of it what entertainment and escapism good believe. good for that not we i love that i prefer to call well, them not we's java being i think that is i think that's a good i i, I think that that gives like, if you if you want to look at it that way it gives permission for people to just write nonsense well not really you know I mean? no because oh, you you show yeah, me no, Silly. How can you tell me from a public's point of view a Dalek makes sense? That's you know, or, or a Cyberman. Well, we're we're stuck with the Cybermen not... and the Daleks, aren't we? No, don't, no I, let's just clarify though. I don't think that uh, mm. that that is an ideal. I don't think that is the no, intended the goal. I yeah. think it's a. I think it's just how some will receive it, and <laughs> yeah. that's not what a writer should have on its on exactly. their list of priorities. Exactly. But it's probably an, mm. an, an inevitability of the way mm. the way in which some of us you know what us will process. Fine, that's fine. We, People I, are still I, getting I, something out of it. He, he was I, enjoying it. That not we there. We he did. enjoyed it. He was aware of it. Good for him I mean, or her. I, I think back to the time I went to the cinema to see a Spider-Man film about eight years ago. It was the amazing Spider-Man. And I left the cinema, and I was I was there with a couple of my sons, and at the same time also leaving were two little old ladies, literally little old ladies, like you see a cartoon little Woo! old ladies. Aunt May, they they've been to see the same <laughs> film, and we were sort of we'd really enjoyed that movie, and and these oh. two old ladies they had big smiles on their faces, and I overheard them say to one another, "Oh, that was that was fantastic. I loved every minute of that." Oh, I, had no, yeah. I had no idea what was going on, though. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's go and catch you know, the bus will be in a few minutes. Let's go and grab an ice cream. Well, the thing is, Nick went to see the, the, the nice boy in Lycra, didn't they? Way good for you, girls. <laughs> Obviously, that's a fantastic debate. I think yes. you know you, you don't get this on Radio Free Scarrow, do you? This is a fantastic debate. <laughs> we're never going to arrive on any conclusions here. Of course we're not, but please drop us a comment. Let us know what you think. Or what, Absolutely. Or what the norm is in your life. Think of this question. Do they need to understand Doctor Who? Let us know in the comments section. And while you're there, like the video if you haven't already. Like Subscribe the video. Subscribe to the channel. And yeah, hit the little cloister bell so you get the notifications about when mm. we're going live next. Charlotte, thanks for joining us. I know you've tea got time. A, you've got a, tea time. Tea time. Tea time. Dip on us, everybody. Lovely to see you. As always, he's bye gone. Bye. <laughs> there she is. She's off. She's off. She's off. Then there were four. Fantastic. Yeah. Then, there, then there were four. Okay, now uh, we're heading up to our Type 40 ad break, everybody. A little later than usual. We have got an ad break coming up. But I just wanted to talk about this because we've had we had a, a comment come from Phil Hayes. Now, in case you weren't here last time on the show, Phil Hayes was the guy who, uh, the lucky winner 
of our competition from Candy Jar Books to win oh, a course, copy yes. of Clack. Mm -hmm. The Doctor Who author Chris Akalaos, wasn't he, Simon? Indeed and he's he was. a very happy camper, isn't he? Because his copy of Clack has indeed turned up, hasn't it? It indeed has. He's, he's, Thank he's God. absolutely <laughs> delighted. This proves that we do send out uh, our, our competition prizes. And, it, and it's Sean Russell that's uh, sent this out from, uh, from Candy Jar. And Phil is delighted because not only has he got a copy of Clack, Sean has sent him three other books as well, Lethbridge, wow. Stewart and Wilson books, which is really, really nice. So thank you, Sean. You are a star. Thank Love you for that. to do, Sean. Wow. And, there, and, there, and there are the photos with, with Phil Hayes, very, very impressive TARDIS that lives in his uh, in his front room and leads is, through to his it? office in the back room. It's fantastic, his TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can go off people, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. wonderful. But congratulations, Phil. Thank you, Sean. Everybody at Candy Jar Books, there'll be another competition coming up eventually. Yeah, there will. On Type 40 when we come back. After our little move around, more on that in a little moment. But yes, it is time for the Type 40 ad break, a T or P break. Time for you to uh, to squirt out or take in whatever you need squirt to. Out. While we <laughs> and everybody rude. else. It does, doesn't it? I don't know where I'll get this. <laughs> Moving on. Well, everybody else enjoys the, uh, the Type 40 ad break. So here it is. Check these out. These are some of the world's most advanced televisions. This set has a quick start picture. Here, full remote control. A 26-inch model with a high brightness screen. And finally, one that even has its own audio output. But all these sets have two things in common. Tomorrow's technology and the Philips name. Philips, simply years ahead. Yeah, Rover 600, automatic. Nightfire red. Uh, 14 months old. Leather seats, beige to match the interior. Yes, we've got one. Has it got the walnut dash? At Rover dealers, we believe you should have the same choice of used cars as new ones, which is why every dealer has access to thousands of quality-checked used Rovers. Yeah, what's this about you writing off CJ's Rover? <laughs> including just the one you need. Buy a Hornby train set for the boy. It's amazing the fun you can have building it up. He really loves it. Uh, Hornby Railways, the present with a future. I did hear, Gareth, that uh, Nescafe is an original. And absolutely exclusive. It certainly is. Absolutely exclusive. Yes. The special blend and roast that gives you the richer, smoother Nescafe taste. Absolutely exclusive, Peter, in this one jar. And nowhere else. Just in this jar, eh? What a shame they only made the one. Absolutely exclusive. <laughs> because Nescafe don't make coffee for anyone else. Oh, Eunice Stubbs. God bless her. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely... You can't imagine. She was never in either version of Doctor Who. Incredible. How, how did we miss her? I mean, just how did we miss her? It's she difficult. was always the. By, I found Sherlock going back to Sherlock for a second. I found Sherlock completely unwatchable. I hated it. But Eunice yeah. it was utterly, utterly sublime. Mm. She, she was by far and away the best thing about Sherlock. She was also the best thing about about Wurzel Gummidge. Much as I love John Pope and Wurzel Gummidge, Aunt Sally is literally priceless. 
in words. She was just good at her job, though, wasn't she? Everything she did, she did with full commitment and understanding. She was an incredible talent. And you can't help thinking that if you were going to cast a woman as the Doctor, you'd go for somebody like Una Stubbs, wouldn't you? She, Mm. She... as much as I'm against a female doctor, she would have been brilliant as the doctor. She's she she's one in a million. I love Eunice Stubbs. Worship worship her. Beautiful. Absolutely. Well And Gareth Hunt, of course, bless him, no longer with us either. Only only one with us in that last advert. Yep. Gareth so, Hunt. Yes. Uh, de- I've deliberately put that on because uh, yeah, we lost Eunice Stubbs a few days ago, everybody, as you've just said. So this is uh, I don't really know how to describe Eunice Stubbs. Describing her as a character actress well, the, doesn't seem there is to a word. cover it. Uh, the, describing her as a performer, it just yeah. seems too vague. Uh, yeah, so Eunice Stubbs, uh, born in 1937 and passed away last week in, in Edinburgh. She never appeared, inexplicably never appeared on Doctor Absolutely. Who. In TV, uh, she was in a uh, Paul McGann story back in 2007 on audio called The Horror of Glamrock by Paul Mars, which uh, received its premiere on BBC Radio 7. So at least she's in there somewhere. But uh, I think Doctor Who fans, I think we're all really fond of Una Stubbs for a number of a number of reasons. And it's that close association with somebody really, really dear to our hearts in John Pertwee. They starred opposite one another in Wurzel Gummidge for, well, the best part of a decade between Wurzel Gummidge itself, which debuted in uh, 1979, and then into Wurzel Gummidge Down Under. I can't imagine there's too many people, particularly over the age of, say, 30, who haven't seen this somewhere, even if it's just in repeats. So they were extraordinary together. And uh, for a time... I think that if there's any role that John had that eclipsed the role of the Doctor, it was as Wurzel Gummidge. Oh, yeah. And Una Stubbs herself, too, managed to just disappear in, into this role and connect with this character. And it really... You know, this, this was not a likeable character that she played. No, she's not. We, we loved her to bits in, <laughs> in Wurzel Gummidge. And the chemistry between them was just outstanding. So and was, much so that it's impossible to imagine. You know, they, they are making new worlds of gummage uh, shows now. A, a wonderful series on B, on the BBC. But I think more than Wurzel himself, it's even more unimaginable that somebody else could play the role of Aunt Sally. How she wasn't in Doctor Who on TV, no idea. I, I just... Don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure Nathan Turner tried. I'm sure there was a story where he, he tried to get because he he knew Una, uh, and I know. But the the, the thing is, she, Una was always busy. She was a very professional, always working actor. You know, people always knew she was going to be reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we grew up with her for all sorts of things, but she's incredibly famous for "Give Us a Clue." Yeah. <laughs> she was one of yes. the team captains for years on that show, which tied yes. in with everything else. So she was always she always seemed to be around so when we were all kids. Sh- remember, so yeah. many shows. Of yep. all different kinds, there was drama, there was comedy, there was game shows. We knew not just the characters that she played, but we felt like we we knew Una Stubbs too. I mean, on screen yep. at the moment, we're looking at as you just described, give us a clue. Where she was on, give us a clue for many many years with Michael Aspel, Lionel Blair, numerous other people that that uh, either hosted that or were other team captains, regular combatants in that game show. There was till death us do part. Plot, where she's part, where <laughs> yeah. she played Rita Alf Garnett's long suffering daughter. She played that part again, off and on for 20 years into the, the sequel show, too. 
She she was unrecognizable in Faulty Terrors. They're just the one episode. She was she was a kind of straight woman to multiple uh, comedy actors, people like Anthony Newley, Dick Emery, uh, Roy Hood, all these other, and linked to Cliff Richard too, not just mm-hmm. appearing in his BBC One show in the 70s for I think three or four years mm. as his kind of sidekick. But again, that yeah. seems, sorry, Una was nobody's sidekick really, but there she was on Cliff's show and as one of the co-stars in a seminal British film, Summer Holiday. They were looking at that on screen too. Summer Holidays, unimaginable without Una Stubbs. And these <laughs> shows, movies, they formed part of the backgrounds to our childhoods in a similar way that Doctor Who did. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know which is a favourite. All different shades of Una Stubbs. I'd say she, <laughs> yeah, you know, she hadn't had an acting credit for a few years. You know, she'd obviously well into her 80s now. I think most people... Younger people will know her from Sherlock, uh, Sherlock, sorry, where she played Mrs. Hudson across all seasons of that show, international hit show Sherlock, which I personally love for the most part, Simon. And she was brilliant in it. You know, she added a much needed sense of truth, I think, to a show that was, um, well, it was very Moffat, wasn't it? <laughs> it was very, very stylish. But she brought what she always brought at this point well into her 70s. And she felt like um, uh, television royalty. I think, I think wherever she, she appeared, she, 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 was. she was one. She was one of those people that basically, as soon as she appeared on the screen, she lit up the screen. And there aren't actually that many actors, when you think about it, that can do that. But she literally lit up the screen. And Sherlock, I think, is the absolute prime example of of that because it was quite a, a dark series. And and she brought that. She literally lit up the screen every time she showed. She's also unique. I can't give another performer like Eunice Stubbs. Genuinely, there's nobody else out there and she was just so watchable you again that that, that sounds an, a silly thing to say but there are a lot of actors who actually aren't very watchable and yet Eunice Dubs, you could she's one of those people you could watch reading the the telephone directory and you'd enjoy watching <laughs> her doing it yeah. and again there's not many actors going to get away with that well, your, your point is in the advert there for the for the coffee, for Nescafe. Those those Nescafe adverts went on for 20 years, believe it or not, in various they formats. They chose the people and to go into those very carefully, didn't they, JT? They did, and, and um, they always approached them, and they did it properly. And Eunice, she was in a couple of them, but in that one there, she's there with Peter and Gareth, and she's just nailing it. Yeah. And people felt... People felt a warmth emanating yes. through and somebody said there I can't, remember, I can't remember who it was there is a word that describes i totally agree i think it was richard icon is the word we have to describe for yuna and i was very touched the other day when she, when um th- looking through the twitter because i knew obviously she'd um, she died in edinburgh i knew she'd had a family but i was very touched that one of her sons took to twitter to thank that, yeah. the literally millions of people yeah and he said we, we had no idea because Aww. to them it was of course just their mum who happened oh. to act and be on telly occasionally and then suddenly and that's when they suddenly realize you know just how much these iconic people that were part of a, a special time of television the golden age of television which mm. we grew up with they meant to us yeah. i was very moved by the fact that the family hadn't quite realized that um mm. the thing wow. is though with her basically she didn't have this one recurring role that everybody remembers her for. Yes. Everybody remembers her for being Una Stubbs, right? Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's the difference between her and other British actresses that went through the same 
path as her. She's yeah. always, always been known as as Eunice, Eunice Stubbs, right? She wouldn't be known yeah. as, you know, Sherlock Holmes is, uh, what you call it, a uh, uh, landlord or landlady, whatever. And she had a unique career path, which um, by she accident. She was huge in theatre. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying. So so there you go. I mean, she she did what she had to do in the world, and she left um, with with people who, who loved her and, 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 and had and a Matthew, huge fan fan base. So and Matthew go. Pounder in the chat says it all national treasure, and she absolutely yeah, Absolutely, was. yeah. Well, and it, it. It's, it's, it says something about where we are now as well, because we're losing more and more of them now, aren't we, guys? Yeah. You know, so we're at that age now where we're losing a lot of... Our national, you our do realize that, that picture that you just put up, Dan. Oh, I think most of them are dead. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Charlotte, 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 Charlotte um, Coleman, Charlotte John Coleman, Perley. yeah, yeah. Sadly. I think even one of the, I think even the, one of the kids there has passed on now as well. Don't quote me on that, by the way. Charlotte but... Coleman died. There you go. Years yeah. ago now, 10 yeah. Years, yeah. years ago. Yeah, she was a very so... accomplished actress. So, very, but, very um, much so. Mm. Yes, uh, I have. I think it's um, obviously not everybody can find a role within Doctor Who or that role find them. And mm. it is weird how just because she was in another show, another show entirely with one of the Doctors, we therefore associate her with, with our show. Mm. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I just thought there was something... I just thought something really special about mm -hmm. about Una Stubbs that was worth mm -hmm. acknowledging, specifically Absolutely. to Doctor Who fans. And maybe, maybe there's some little role that you know if you if you believe in head cannon <laughs> then maybe you can cast one for yourself where they where Una Stubbs would have would have fitted really naturally into doctor who lore whether it be as a villain or as a companion or as a time lord or whatever i don't know i think that the fact that she could disappear into all of these all of these roles as you said ian mm. and 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 uh keep that attachment and affection from the from the british public means that um you know, she she was one of a, a rare breed and uh, an icon from a time where british entertainment seemed to balance being really homely and warm with at the oh, same yeah. time being quite challenging too and um yeah i obviously rest in rest in peace you the stubs mm. it seems strange to say that she'll be missed because you know the lady as as you would expect in lady has taken fewer and fewer roles but that's just how how things are but yeah. the fact is you know that she felt like extended family not just yeah. our sort of tv family but the doctor who family it means that she did it whatever she did she did it right <laughs> we've got lots of lovely comments in the chat um <laughs> people saying hello, people who've got in late and see, find us talking about Una Stubbs, but lots of rest in peace Una, national treasure from Matthew Pounder mm. there problem being says Una is Absolutely. as yes, yep. strawberries and cream, could yep. put it more beautifully, mm. yep. myself Perfect. and uh, yeah wonderful, wonderful actress and uh, yeah, uh, Alex Storm yes. watching the chance that Sherlock gave Una a renewed yes. popularity, just a small part, but she brought so much to it. That's the may that's the difference between a star and an actor, maybe, Jason. May I give you a story, actually, that ties in with that quote there uh, about Sherlock um, on behalf of my friend David. Uh, my friend David, um, he won't be watching, so I hope he doesn't mind. <laughs> He's an actor. Um, and he was doing rehearsals for a play somewhere a few years back, obviously, you'll be able to place the timing. I'm not sure. And he was having a break and he was looking through a script and he was having a coffee in the canteen. And he heard this voice saying, uh, 
do you mind if I sit next to you because everywhere else is taken? And he looks up and it's Una Stubbs. And he said, of course, absolutely, you know, absolutely (laughs) Mm -hmm. come and sit down. And she spent an hour and 10 minutes or something like that talking to him about where he was, what his career plans were, the script he was working on. And he's always said, and he mentioned this the other day when it was now she'd passed, he will treasure the -hmm. personal advice that she gave him about being in the profession he was in from her perspective. And one of the pieces of advice she said to him was, never give up. Um, and she, he was obviously chatting to her, this legend that was in front of him. He was, he was very pleased to be speaking to her. And he actually, he, he, she said to him that she was actually thinking of retiring because the work was drying up. The offers were not coming in as much. And, the, and what was coming in, she wasn't really interested in doing. And that's perfectly fine for an actress of her caliber. Yeah. And the next thing, she's casting Sherlock. Brilliant. Love Good so I hope David doesn't mind me giving that story away. I'm sure he won't, but he's taken that with him to this very day and he remembers everything she told him. He won't reveal what she said <laughs> because it's personal and quite right. But she was there for him and I think that's lovely. Mm. So she was obviously the same off screen as she was on and that's always a relief when there is nice on screen <laughs> and off screen. Yeah. Mm. Which Before was pretty weird. Sally, though, let's face it. <laughs> so I hope she wasn't like that in real life. <laughs> but, yeah. Real, real nasty piece of work. Yeah, yeah. they're a great character. And yeah, it does takes takes more to sell the bad guys, doesn't it? Particularly the people that we love to hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rest yeah. in peace, Una. Thank you for everything. Oh, yeah. you, Una. And thank you to you out there watching and uh, commenting along here on on Facebook and on YouTube on this show this afternoon. We've got some news for you while you're all still here. Woo! (laughs) Yes, times are changing. Times and spaces are changing here on Type 40 Live because this is our last of these big live streams here for you on a Tuesday afternoon UK time. It's all changed from next week here at Type 40 Live. So what's happening, Dan? What's going on? What do you mean? What's happening, Dan? (laughs) What do you mean? What's going on? Don't worry. (laughs) We're moving. We're moving our slot and we're moving our day very deliberately. So, yeah, we're moving from Tuesday afternoons to Thursday evenings UK time at 8 p.m., everybody. Now, why are we doing this? I hear you cry. (laughs) Why are you doing this? Why are we doing this? Thank you, Bob. Yes, it is panto season coming up, everybody. Why are we yes, doing Yes, the clock is still no sign of dick. Okay. The race. <laughs> the reason why we're moving. He's here all night. Why, the reason why we're moving day and time is simply because a few weeks ago, when we did a live stream on a Thursday night with that joyous news that Chris Chibnall, the world's worst showrunner, of course, and Jodie Whittaker were leaving, we had such a great number of people watching. It was clear that, yeah, it's a it's a slightly sweeter spot for you, the viewers out there all over the world. So there's that, but there's also simply the fact that lockdown in the in the UK has lifted and the real world, the working world, has started to turn a little a little quicker for all of us. So some of us, more often than not, can't be here, can't make it or whatever, have to dip out. So yeah, rather than kind of dilute the chemistry, which we know that you love as much as we do, we thought we'd rather step it up, change things up, and move to a prime time <laughs> slot. Type 40 Live in prime time, everybody. Woo-hoo! Next week, it's the same place on the space. We're going to beat EastEnders. Woo! 
<laughs> you, know, we, you know, strangely, we do stand a chance of beating EastEnders here. We do, yes. Like, we hope you're going to join us in this new slot. You know, we appreciate there may be some people who they can't make it, but we mm. do know from the messages that we've got in the chat and generally out there that some of you also have found it a struggle on a Tuesday afternoon too, as you've returned to work, depending on what you're doing. You know, we are going to find out. We are going to be publicising this over the next week or so, all over show, social media, just just sort of repeating it and repeating it so that people out there, people who are regular viewers, don't forget. But also to try, yeah, to try and reach out to more people wherever you are in the world. So that'll be out there with all the different time zones, wherever you are on whatever side of America or indeed Australia. We've just had Java being asking the chat, Australia time. We don't know. I'll get that to you as soon as I can. That'll be in the information too. And uh, the other... is it tomorrow in Australia? Yeah. Or was yeah. it yesterday? Because we're time traveling with Australia, aren't we? Uh, the talents of Wang Chang's chipped in. The other drivers on my commute will thank you for this, Dan, and a few laughing, <laughs> laughing faces. So, yes, uh, Vanessa Law adds that that's noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern. So that's late to mid-afternoon, depending on who you are. We've got a few from the talents of Wang Chiang. <laughs> and, uh, yes, this works much better for me from Daniel Edwards. And... That's good to hear. Make, make sure you're sharing the news and getting people to subscribe and ringing the bell. Ring that close to bell so that we all get to remember next week, including us, because we're going to have to remember. <laughs> it's next Thursday, <laughs> live at 8 o'clock. Yeah, and also, yeah, we're at a point in the UK to where our time zones, they're going to... Our time zones... Yeah. Our yeah. clock is going to start changing yeah. soon. Yes. Yeah, so... Oh, no, not again. Yeah. Yes, it's so, nearly uh, Christmas, Simon. We're nearly there again. <laughs> It'll be time to put the clocks back here in a few weeks' time. So we felt like cosier evening live stream. Maybe summer a over. or two on the go. As no, no. Summer, yeah, that was a, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I think That's that been gone. You can still have Cornettos, though, Ian. It's fine. Oh, well, you know, so, hey. we, See, this is it. We're, <laughs> we're, we're delegating, everybody. We're delegating and giving, the, giving our own chat... We're giving them the ability to do some of the work for us. This will be 5 a.m. in Australia. Is that slightly is that slightly better for you, Java B? That's worse. <laughs> God almighty. You can play it back. It's fine. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if it's, no, it must be what time in, the, in Australia at the moment? It must be about 1 o'clock in the morning or something, isn't it? Just, just I have no idea. Megan, you were asking, are you starting this this week or next week? No, this week. is next week. This next is week. next week. Richard Brooks says, a good idea. I had to miss last week for work. I will be there next Thursday, 8 p.m. And uh, so generally, yeah, this is, we have put the feelers out with a few people to just to test the waters and see how this would, how this would fly with some of our regulars. So the general, the general feeling is, yeah, it's a, it's a thumbs up. Yeah, start, your week, start your weekend with us, Space Bookers, on a Thursday night, Friday Eve. Start it here with us live at 8 every week from next Thursday onwards. And we are going to take you through the abomination that's coming up. It'll all be nice and cosy. It's going to be brilliant. In fact, I only know one person that disagrees with that time slot. That's Chris Chibnall. He really doesn't agree with us moving the call. So there you go. He's never happy, though, are you? He's never happy, no. It takes a lot to cheer up Chris Chibnall. Yes, so don't miss that. Yes, next week at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night here on Type 40 Live. We're not giving up the Tuesday slot completely. There will be something next Tuesday afternoon just for you. 
Because we, yeah, we love you so It's JT. He's going to be on, on his own. <laughs> on his own. We're going to depart, as always, with some pretty pictures for you, everybody. Specifically, specifically Daleks. So yeah, this image, this, this one in particular, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with the TV21 Daleks. Oh, yes. So, as seen in the 1960s comics, TV, comic, TV21, all those <laughs> wonderful strips, the Daleks always looked slightly different from how they looked on screen, yeah. didn't they, Simon? Yeah. They, they, they were, well, let's be honest, they were kind of blinged Daleks, weren't they? They were pimp, yeah. pimp my Dalek, basically. Um, they looked fabulous. I love the ones in TV21. The, 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 as you can see there, they're a bit more robust, a bit more chunky, uh, uh, and a bit more scary. I always thought they were a little bit more intimidating. They look the darn sight more, more robust than their TV counterparts. Yeah. Love them. And the colours, it's the colours. And there's, uh, there are numerous reasons for this. I mean, it's not just that they couldn't be bothered. It's the fact that the pictures were going quite small, weren't they? And even though they were, they were mm -hmm. painted larger, people like Ron Turner painted them larger than we got them in comics or the mm -hmm. 60s kids got them in comics. But they were still, you know, they had to go in quite detailed. It was close-up work, wasn't it? And there's a lot of detail in the average dog. Mm -hmm. And it was great because they could do low angle shots, as you've got a couple of them there, which they couldn't do on the TV. You didn't get Daleks at low angles. And Daleks look great at low angle shots, like Destiny the Daleks proves. So, so in TV21, when they did so many low angle shots and high angle shots, actually looking down on the Daleks, it, they, they look so much more cinematic than they ever did in, in the TV show. Love them. Yeah, so you, why are we staring at this? You may be asking. Why are we this. staring at this, Dan? <laughs> well, it's because our favourite Dalek artist, the Prydonian, has Ooh. been back to this model of Dalek Ooh. and decided to, to tinker with them a little. So first of all, he gave us this study. As Ooh. character designers, you know, people out there who work in the creative arts, you'll know, as character designers, this is what you do. You know, you put together how the design will look all the way around from lots and lots of different angles. So, yeah, that's, uh, that sort of boils it down to its constituent, mm -hmm. constituent parts. We get to see all those details that you were just talking about mm -hmm. there, Simon, up mm -hmm. close. And that's the, uh, the character study. But, of course, this being the Prydonian, he didn't stop there either. He put them in situ as well. We get to see these Daleks in all their glory. Here, check this out. Hold on. Check this out. There we are. Ooh. This piece is the this is the Daleks control room, so it's a little bit dark. Is it really room. cold in there? That's what I have to go around the fire and get warm. <laughs> I'm That's around what they're doing. It has been darker and colder for them too, Jeff. When I saw this the other day, I thought this has echoes of the of the Dalek movie with Peter yeah, Cushing. It does. Yeah. Isn't it gorgeous? The colours. The colours, yeah. The colours are great. I love the slats and and the Dalek, the guns on on the TV Twenty One Daleks always look way better. And the guns that he's rendered <laughs> them here are phenomenal. I love those guns. Those are mean guns. They mean business. Those two. Mm, they yeah. do. I think yeah. it's the chunkiness of them and the skirts as well. I, lo I love that they're slightly more squared off. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 Which is correct to the TV Twenty One. That's how. That's how they were. It's just um, beautiful stuff. Yeah. And I've noticed, I don't know if he's just got a little bit bored with doing standard Daleks, but he keeps looking at some of these more obscure examples of Doctor Who history and, and kind of making these feel just as real. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's fantastic art, isn't it? I mean, the, the 3D, the, the reflections and everything right across the board. He does some really great work and, you know, God bless him for doing this stuff because I enjoy every every time you send a, you put a picture up, I enjoy them immensely. Yeah. So they really stuff. are cool, yeah. 
I keep really cool. What's he going to do next? Because it does seem to be something every few days. I mean, this was up a few days ago, wasn't it, JT? You know, we've all he's got more stuff up all the time. So all I can just say is the image credit there at the bottom, James Johnson on Twitter. Go and check it out. We'll be looking at more of his work, no doubt, in further live streams. But I couldn't leave this one hanging. It's the warmth of it, Simon. And, and Digby Strawbridge, I can see in, in the chat, is saying, is this a film version of The Chase? Yeah, it does look like oh, a film version of The Chase, doesn't I it? I love that. Wouldn't that have been brilliant? Wouldn't that? And that, of course, oh, would have been the third film that they would have the made. trilogy. <laughs> yeah, but it wouldn't have looked as good as this, I tell you that much. But oh, it's a good I would have loved that. Yes. Never, we must do that. We must do that review of the films at some point, guys. Got to do that. Yeah, and it's never too late to give us that third movie. Somebody out there, somebody yeah. out there, give us a movie of the chase, please. They please, still please. hold the rights, probably. They still hold the rights, <laughs> unless they've lapsed. I tend to think who owns them now, though, with all the years that it's been swapped and moved on. It's probably some um, huge, big conglomerate now. Forgotten about it in China. I just... <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> don't don't bring up China. Don't bring don't up China. Nobody mentioned China. Nobody mentioned China. Got away with it. We'll it's like the war, to... isn't it? Nobody mentioned the war. Nobody <laughs> mentioned China. <laughs> We'd have to do a whole whole other show. Yeah, that's going down quite well. Nice one, Digby. A mm-hmm. great idea, mm-hmm. says Richard Brooks, mm. watching in the chat. Maybe just an animated version, an animated yes! feature-length Doctor Who. I, I'd go for that, to be truthful. As long as it's done by different people that do the Blu-rays and DVDs now, because they're <laughs> awful. <laughs> Have you seen them? I, yeah. I'm just looking forward to the first Hartnell animation, which is coming up. Um, we've got Galaxy 4 and the, yeah, the Daleks' yeah. master plan being planned, I hear. I'm really looking forward to seeing how they're going to look. I just hope it's a different crew and not the lazy ones that are doing them currently. Oh, have you seen it? Oh, please. Yeah. Oh, have please. Oh. We have... We we'll have come back to that in another show. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we will, yeah, because mine popped through the post yesterday. Uh, we've yeah. got this beautiful picture <laughs> as well. This is somewhere... This is, some, this is somewhere in the States. Happy I, sadly, sadly, I don't oh, know where this is. So if blessed. this is in your town... I'd love to know. Apparently, this is a book barn, everybody. So oh, fabulous. A, yeah. A miniature library, aren't they, JT? Mm. Yeah, in our country, we tend to get them with uh, the old red phone boxes yeah, around the country. Um, there is a, a, I think it was somewhere near Edinburgh where there is one of the older police boxes in the Edinburgh style, which are thinner versions. That's really? been converted into one. Mm. Um, but I, it's great. You go along and you put your book in, you swap it, and all this. It's a nice community thing. That actually reminds me of some of the old uh, British. Sunday afternoon fates you would go to where there was always inevitably a homemade police box, you know, at these British uh, garden fates and stuff and or, or, or an exhibition of so. And that reminds me of that. I think that's sweet. Nicely Lovely. done as well. Look at that sky. I, 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 I'm expecting um, I'm expecting the guy from Halloween to come around it the is, corner with a knife. Like <laughs> 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 it is, isn't it? Yeah. It does yeah. look like, like Haddonfield from, from the Halloween yeah. film. Yeah. It does. So I still can't get over the fact that every time I see a police box in these American or, or, or abroad, I still, after all these years, I still can't get over it. It's just <laughs> weird. You know, it just doesn't compute still. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it is. I remember I was talking to an American friend of mine when he was talking about an episode of Columbo. When Columbo came to London, he thought that was weird as well. So it's just yeah. like us and when we see police boxing you know um oh, suburban so, yeah. america we think yeah. it looks a bit weird so you know there you yeah. go it's like when friends came over to london which was just to cash in on the popularity yeah. here you know they used yeah. to do that occasionally didn't they they'd swap yeah. countries and stories and so it was always rubbish <laughs> it was always terrible but yeah. yeah that is that is true yeah absolutely true that's a lovely picture though 
Yes. <laughs> yes, I, I thought so too. And an ideal place with which to leave you on a Tuesday afternoon. So yes, this is the, this is the final full Type 40 live live stream. The end Tuesday of Tuesday. At least for now. It's the, a bit of an end of an era. So there's people asking, when is this changing? When is it happening? When is it? I'm confused already. Next Don't week. be confused, everybody. It's really simple. <laughs> it's really simple. It's next Thursday here on the Spacebook Type 40 live. Goes prime time. Don't miss it. There'll be numerous reminders if you keep an eye on our social media and hit Instagram the bell and Twitter at Type 40 Doctor Who. It's like being Facebook on BBC group. Two, but back on, B on BBC One. We're going to be on BBC One on Thursdays. We're, no, we're going to be beating BBC One and BBC Two. It's so obvious. It's, it's easy to do nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, people yeah. love, love, love that TARDIS better des set design than the core. There's open Jody doesn't come out of it. <laughs> and uh, Alan Collins says, "Many thanks for giving your time to us." In this oh, place. thank you, Alan. Thanks to you You're guys in the chat. Alan, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing all this with us, Tara. Everybody, I just googled it. Said uh, Kelly, "There's a Detroit. library in Detroit." So wow! Wow! Detroit. Maybe I, I don't know. And Detroit's a music capital, and there's a police box there. How 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 freaky is this? This is really bizarre. That's where uh, Axel Foley lives, isn't it? Detroit. Learn something new every day. Yes, you do. Beverly Hills, Doctor Who barn, by the looks of it. If you'd <laughs> like, like some more of, of all this kind of talk, basically, because we're going to be away a little bit longer, another couple of days, and you're going to miss us, then you can always yeah, check back with some of our earlier conversations, other live streams, other arguments. And all the things we got right in them, going right back to last summer. You can see us oh, predicting yeah. things that have come and true. Over, over again <laughs> on, yeah, in Type 40 Live, Seasons 1 and 2, and earlier shows in Seasons 3 as well. All those other live streams, hours and hours of it. Hit the playlist here on the Spacebook channel for more. If you do miss us in those in the week and a bit while we're away, and there's the Type 40 podcast itself. You can find that at its home space, type40.podbean.com or on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all those other places. There's our social media, <laughs> as I was reminding you. Can't Oof. forget to remind Ooh. you about that. Finally got rid Can of it. I? It's nearly <laughs> happening, everybody. Stick with us. We're going to be here blow by blow as, mm -hmm. uh, as this fella picks up the old p45 <laughs> good stuff yes but yeah that uh, that is it for this time thank you everybody so much for your time and all these comments in the chat press the like button yeah pl hit please hit the like button if you haven't already like the video subscribe. subscribe subscribe to the channel it's more important than ever that you hit that little bell hit the cloister bell to get the notifications about where we'll be going also live comments next. type 40 live thursdays 8 p.m don't miss that more Doctor Who programming. There's the podcasts and more coming to the channel soon. So stay tuned for all of that. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. Great stream. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Take care, Vanessa. everyone. Says probably there we go. There best we go. Doctor Who podcast. Says Java Bean. Absolutely, Java Bean. Absolutely. Will there be more video episodes of the podcast? I liked the Kyle one recently. Oh, they are, Kyle. Well, Kyle will be very pleased to hear that. We'll pass that along. Yes, we're going to keep making the video tracks whenever we can. It's not always possible. Not everybody we speak to wants to be on video, so we do have to respect That's that. That's true. But we'll try That's and bring true. you that whenever we can. Mm. Uh, Kelly says, so much fun as always. By all, says uh, Dr. Blaze. Thanks for joining us, Doctor. <laughs> Good to see you too. That is it for now. 
Let's go and get out here, everybody. Let's go and get yeah. out here. Yeah, thanks. Bloody thanks Charlotte beat time, us to everybody. it. Everybody, yeah, probably <laughs> you're on dessert by now, aren't you, Charlotte? Yeah, yeah probably is. Charlotte we'll after eight week. by now. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Those shows are a blast to make. We'll be putting more of them out too here on the Type 40 feed. But if you want to catch Type 40 live, literally live, join in with the comments on YouTube and Facebook and wherever. Head over to YouTube, search for The Spacebook, and there we are. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the little cloister bell. Then you'll get all the notifications on when we'll be live streaming next. We always have the time. If you have the space here at Type 40, thanks for listening. More soon. Take care. Bye-bye. A Doctor Who podcast is a Spacebook production for the Fandom Podcast Network with music by Problem Being.